I actually just remembered that my dad did have to recently fire somebody, and one of the complaints was that he would watch porn in the office. Oh my God. <laughs> so Why? I guess it is a thing. And they told him several times, please don't do this. I'm Aww. so glad I'm in academia. I can watch all the porn I want. Again, a podcast where we cover sci-fi TV shows through the lens of philosophy and dick jokes. My name is Bubbles, um, and I'm joined today by my awesome-tastic co-hosts, Shaheen and Alicia. Alicia, have you Hello. been on before? I have, for the Expanse yes. ones. Yes! Okay, great. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably have you back for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds good. That was um, fun. Yeah, that was so fun. Um, so you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. We also love fan feedback. So if you, um, want to find us on Twitter, we're May We Geek Again, or you can also email us at maywegeekagain at gmail.com. And of course, we always post the episodes to Reddit, um, in case you like long form discussions. So the, uh, this is episode 78 of our podcast, and we're going to be talking about humans. Um, we're doing season two, episode three and four today. Um, keep in mind, this is a rewatch podcast, so there will be spoilers for future episodes and seasons. So if you have not watched all of it, um, you've been warned. Um, great. So let's start this off with an icebreaker. Um, today's icebreaker is, if you are a synth that was awoken, what is the first thing you'd like to do as a conscious being? Does anyone want to go first? Alicia can go first. Okay, first. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Um, hi, I'm Alicia. I'm uh, I don't know. I'm Series Station on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to say here. But my answer for this, my first answer was, it was boring. My second answer is boring too. But um, I immediately thought that I would eat something, and then I realized even the conscious sense can't eat, which is a real bummer. <laughs> so, oh my god, that was my first thought too. <laughs> Because I'm like, I love food so much. What a good experience would it be to experience food? But yeah, again, they can't they can't eat or drink. And um, you see the negative consequences of it in the episode that we're going to talk about. But <laughs> but then the second thing I was like, okay, what's another kind of simple, um, just simple thing that I would want to do? And I feel like I would just like want to go to a park or something, just like go outside and like what, like just look at the trees and like actually experience something. Cause I'm feeling like if I was awoken, I'm like going through all of my experiences before and like trying to process them now as a conscious being and like, overwhelmed so i'd want to do something like really simple and just like relax and go outside and try and mm. take everything in so oh, but so eat nice. if that was an option <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome what about you shaheen hi my name is shaheen i live in pittsburgh i study history and philosophy of physics and if i were a newly awoken synth <laughs> i would probably you know seeing as i can now feel things i would probably want to do like the most badass thing that i've seen humans do like whatever seemed like they're really enjoying <laughs> so probably be like sex or jerk off i don't know <laughs> i knew it was gonna be that but then the thing is like i don't know if, <laughs> like that's um, badass <laughs> 
know, he's going to say, like, you know, evil Knievel, like, motorcycle jumping. And that's jumping. exactly what I was picturing, too. <laughs> when you described it, I was like, oh, like a, like a crazy motorcycle trick or, like, a thrill, <laughs> thrill-seeking, like. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe badass wasn't the right word, but, like, whatever I saw him being like, yes, this is awesome. I want to know what that's like. I mean, so. for... To be fair, for philosophy nerds, sex is pretty badass and awesome thing that other people do. <laughs> <laughs> also, see, well, you should have gone first. thank you for reinforcing the stereotype. <laughs> I feel like you should have gone first because you, like, introduced yourself in a better way. And <laughs> now I understand the format. <laughs> oh, so I, like, didn't read the whole thing. I totally jumped over the paragraph that explains that we're supposed to introduce ourselves. Um, because I always forget to introduce myself. Anyways. That's okay. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we always mess up. <laughs> I just thought that was very like (laughs) official and I was like wait a minute (laughs) Um, I'll do mine less official so that you don't feel bad (laughs) hi I'm Bubbles I live in New York City and that noise you're hearing is my dog breathing loudly while he looks at me and wants more treats um for my icebreaker one i i too was like oh my god i'd eat everything then i was like oh wait you can't great awesome um and and i try to like think like for a long time what are things because i was like oh i would do like a scavenger hunt because i'd be so good at it as like an artificial intelligence that has all this information but i was like well would it not be fun though because then i'd already know all the answers like is that only fun for humans because you like probably don't know the answers um and so i like thought about it for a while and i thought like I finally settled on I would want to, like, paint something because, like, I would finally want to try to harness, like, creativity the way that humans do every day, even without, like, noticing. Um, and so since I'm, like, no longer constrained by, like, the directives of my programming and the people around me, then I could do something like that, I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't think that they'd be very good artists, at least at first, but I think like trying would be fun. Kind of like that synth in Qualia. The, you know, oh, he right. was painting. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. That's cool. beautiful. <laughs> um, so... That's better than mine. It's <laughs> <laughs> better than mine. <laughs> no, your guys' were really good. Um, I feel like it'd be really overwhelming to yeah. wake up and still, like, remember everything that has happened yeah. to you when you were, like, not conscious. You know, like... I need to there are cer- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people who've been blind their, their whole life, they regain their sight, and um, they say it's very overwhelming. A lot of them commit suicide. Oh, no. Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's too much. They can't take it. Wow. Cool. Thanks for bringing that to our attention. <laughs> yeah. Random fact. <laughs> random fact. Shaheen, do you want to tell us your overall takes for the first two episodes? Or for these two um, episodes? Yeah, so it felt mostly like plot development. Um, I actually found that I didn't have a whole lot of notes. Um, but I, I still like it. It's very, you know, solid. Mm-hmm. And um, I like how they plant little seeds here and there to keep you on your toes. Yeah. About like future episodes, like the stuff about seraphims and Joe getting fired and stuff. Um. So yeah, it's it's good. That's pretty solid couple of episodes. What about you, Alicia? 
in these two episodes, for me, the Niska stuff was absolutely the highlight, I think. Yeah, some of the other plot lines are, they basically feel like they're kind of progressing. And, and since, from a rewatch standpoint, like, we know how they fit in. But, mm-hmm. um, but like, especially, like, the Pete storyline and stuff for me was very, like, like what Shane said, like, plot development. But the yeah. Niska stuff, like, the humanity test, that was amazing. I think that was, like, the meat of both of those episodes mm-hmm. um and then yeah. also like the, the that storyline contrasting with like Odie and Mia um coming to experience humanity like more organically or like how they're expressing their humanness versus like mm-hmm. how Niska is getting tested for it um or even like how we find out more about V and like her um that like she's exploring her memories essentially like that that side of humanity versus like this very like lab atmosphere where like Niska is being like shown pictures and like it was very it was very uh it was very cool that that they they explored like multiple sins and how they're they're kind of expressing their humanness or not humanness I guess their consciousness um but yeah I so that that was my favorite part of those two episodes and I actually remembered those two things and the other thing I remembered because I watched this season like three years ago so I just rewatched it like this week but um but was the Hester stuff like Hester is out there <laughs> Hester. So, Hester like this is a plot line I really remembered Hester <laughs> so yeah overall take was that she's she's very memorable oh my god yes um, but yeah no uh Niska definitely was the MVP of of three and four yeah I agree with that I think like and we'll talk about it more but like the relationship with her and Astrid is like so beautiful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah I, f- I feel like I felt the same way I thought like there was plot but like they never like s- went too fast like you didn't get to see like the characters reacting to stuff which was really nice um so yeah I thought they were yeah. a good pair of episodes um so let's go into episode three um I guess we can just go down the run sheet we don't have to do any particular order um so for Dr. Marrow and V, I feel like we're just kind of like just getting into it and we don't know till episode four, right? What she is, correct? Mm-hmm. Or do we already know? I can't remember. Um that what do you mean that it's her daughter? Yeah. I thought we knew that from the from like because the first scene, the opening scene of this of episode three is um her and her daughter at the waterfall right mm-hmm. did you guys have that scene in your in your yes. version yeah 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 um so yeah i think that it's we yeah i don't know or maybe it's just because i already know <laughs> yeah so i think i think you're right that it's like that's when we kind of make the connection with in episode wait four. that was episode four Maybe. With the waterfall? Or was it three? I don't remember. <laughs> this okay. is like the trouble hmm. of doing them in chunks is that we're like, wait, which, which episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking of that, though, um, so why can't she just put her daughter's consciousness in an unconscious synth? I think that she's... Because it can't house that software. It can't, like, they're, it's limited to the but it's linear... the same hardware right what it's just it's the same hardware as the conscious synth so but i think it's like it's like how you know um cast doesn't work on firefox 
but it works on uh-huh. Chrome. <laughs> like they have to download Chrome and they don't have Chrome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think like the the like V is is sentient um and they've said that they don't like they that they don't have the technology to put a sentient consciousness into and I don't even think they can do it in they can do it in conscious sense yet. Like she still needs the five to like yeah. complete the code. Like they, so, so she doesn't even have the option right now of, I mean, I, I the, that's what the show is telling us that, it, that she doesn't mm-hmm. have the option right now of using any kind of synth unless she finds the like special five. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I think it's yeah, because of that's... just incompatibility. <laughs> mm. And I don't even think that she knows that they that she needs like the original she needs like the original sense code i think mm-hmm. even just to, like know how to do it maybe i don't know um yeah. but like it's i was little... kind of surprised mm-hmm. by her ruthlessness in this episode when she threatens that doctor guy um mm-hmm. who he's like no i can't i can't do this because if if i tell you this and like what he's gonna go to jail or whatever it is um and she's like, well, I'll just say that, like, you spoke to me and thank you so much for all that information. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, I was <laughs> just threat. like, wow. Because <laughs> I, I didn't think that she, but, like, I guess we did kind of get hints of it when she was she was taking conscious sense and just letting them melt down. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's what you meant. Like, how um, nonchalant she is about killing conscious sense. Well, I feel like it was, like, a hint, but, like, it's almost like you know scientists working in labs who have to desensitize themselves to like testing things on animals um yeah she's very and, like yeah. single minded though i think she's one of those people that's like oh the the end justifies the means or whatever so it yes. doesn't really matter what she has to do to get there um yeah. and like yeah. sh- she's willing to do it cuz it's for i guess at that point we don't even know if it's for her daughter yet but also, that kid is definitely a synth, right? Was it? I don't know. Wait, which I couldn't kid? remember the granddaughter. Oh, <laughs> or was she I human? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't even think anything of it. I couldn't remember. I was just like, uh... I mean, maybe oh, because yeah. of things I know from future episodes, but like, I don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> That's a good point because, like, they paused on the kid for a second, and it wasn't clear why. Yeah, that's that's what I I thought, and I like. Yeah, I don't remember if that if she comes up again ever, but like that was my first thought when I saw it. Speaking of, why didn't they make synth animals? Can you imagine like a dog that's never going to die and always wants snuggles, does not whine all the time for treats, not looking at anybody here, bonsai. <laughs> um and like doesn't need to be taken outside to poop. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but it's like yeah. just program like, to be sweet <laughs> would that not feel like you're buying a toy yeah but that's fine <laughs> a really expensive fucking great working toy <laughs> i mean dogs are pretty much toys that oh, we made out of no. wolves <laughs> i feel like it's my job to like enri- enrich bonsai's life am i saying that word right i don't know yes. um like, yeah, I feel, it is right like, right yeah like, I, I, I feel so. bad when he's been in the apartment too much. And so I'm always like, oh, well, next weekend I'm going to go upstate. My parents are, and I are doing this and he can come and it'll be fun for him. <laughs> so, like, I, you wouldn't, like, worry about those things with, like, a robot dog. You would just, like, leave it plugged in, like a USB yeah. charger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but then again, that like gets to the question of like, would you? Because we even like anthropomorphize like animals. So wouldn't you, you almost would do the same thing? I would feel to a yeah, robot kinda. dog that looked really real. You'd feel bad for it too. <laughs> oh, it's. It's totally true because, like, as a little kid, I used to – I had a rotation schedule for my stuffed animals. So, like, they could each sleep in my bed and there was, like, an order that it had to go in. And, like, I had some stuffed animals that were my favorite. And I would be like, I'm sorry. It's not your turn. <laughs> so, yeah, probably. Yeah, even if – but I guess the advantage being that it, like, doesn't die. Yeah. But – Still, and if it breaks, yeah. you can program all of its learned traits into a different model. <laughs> do, well, like do a you, smartphone. <laughs> do you think like she's so like V is still learning, right? Like that's what it feels like. Yeah, V is still remembering all of the memories. So like, has Doctor Morrow convinced herself that like that is V? I like that. That is her daughter. Yeah, or or is she still thinking of it like? Like we were talking like robot dog, but like a robe, like a synth. I like I'm just it was confusing to me like her doggedness. Like how is she? How is she so sure that this I is think, V? Yeah, no, I think she does see it as a version of her daughter, um, and it's I think she's letting it learn and everything because her daughter's brain dead. So it's like all those connections need to be reconnected. So she's mm. just waiting for all of that to happen. Oh, and so eventually, then she'll be able to transfer her into a synth is her goal. Um, and then she would have basically something very similar to her daughter. That's really sad. Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> point. I, cause, mm-hmm. Sorry, I, was, I wondered why um, V is not complete. Like mm-hmm. her, her daughter's name was Jeannie. Jeannie? Jeannie? Whatever. I think Ginny, but it's like Virginia. Um. Uh huh. Ginny, yeah, Ginny. Like, why is V not just uh, doesn't have the whole um mind or memories of Ginny? But um, I guess the brain dead thing makes sense. Um, but yeah, but I think the her ruthlessness is also partially explained by the fact that uh, she's trying to save her daughter or like re. Uh, She's revive your daughter. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, I don't get. <laughs> I don't get family Family's stuff, hard but <laughs> yeah. But like, I I was just reading actually the other day that um, in the trolley problem, uh-huh. <laughs> if you tell people that it's their mom on the other track, um, people are surprisingly willing to let other people die oh yeah 100 and like (laughs) and like even if you like they can even make it be like yeah if this uh if you don't switch the trolley then it will like trigger a nuclear bomb and a whole town will go in smokes uh or you can kill your mom and a lot of people still choose to uh not kill their mom yeah, so, she gave life to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, get like, it. I'm never going to get into paying my mother. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not, that's like completely makes sense, I think. Um, yeah. So let's move on to the family. Um, I don't think we had too much um, to talk about with the family this time. Um, did any anyone have any specific thoughts they wanted to share? 
I uh, I was just wondering why did Maddie and this is probably a question from last time, but like why did Maddie want Odie specifically? Because like she went through a lot of trouble to get Odie. Did she even know? She didn't even know who Odie was, or like yeah. I think she wanted that model type. I'm not sure why. But she was asking just for the model type. I didn't think that she was looking specifically for Odie. He just happened to be that model type. Because he's like a much older model, right? Yes. And I don't know if it's because she's okay. able to break into the code for that one more easily. Um, hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because when she went to the junkyard, she said, uh, I'm looking for this uh, model D, whatever. It was brought brought here a month ago. Something like that. So it sounded like she had some information. Well, she also, like, George died. George and who else got shot, like, while they were... Wasn't this last season? Like, that while they were trying to um, save the, like, the family. Like, so she she had seen him before, right? Like, she knew... uh, I can't remember if Maddie had seen him before, though. That's the thing, yeah. But, like, I think she knew who he was based on, like, knowing who George was and all that stuff that happened. Hmm. Yeah, it wasn't totally clear. It wasn't explained. Yeah. Well, I missed the whole that connection. The so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Odie though. <laughs> Odie, I was so happy to see him again. That was like such a crushing <laughs> part of last season. <laughs> when yeah. Odie's like, "You're dying, George." <laughs> I <You're> know. Dead. <laughs> you have died, George. <laughs> you have died. I, I do remember that, and it's like almost funny to the point of like it's. <laughs> So I cried laughed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the actor is so good, like it's so convincing. He is. He's so good. All the sins are, are so amazing. But yeah, he him having to like kind of be like broken and have all yeah. these like extra ticks. Yeah. Because like all the synths go go through synth school. They teach him how to act like a synth. But he is he has a special he has to have like special instructions because he's broken. Aww. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That we'll you speak- have died, George, is like Oh. <laughs> 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 um so speaking of synths, we meet Rinny. Rinny? I can't remember how they mm-hmm. say it. Rinny. Um, who is a human who pretends to be a Sith. Um, which is odd, but at the same time, like, I kind of super understood the want to pretend to be a Sith, because, like, Mm -hmm. being a human is very complicated. Like, I see the appeal, and it's, like, just kind of, like, pretending you have Asperger's so that, like, any of your social faults, you're, like, Asperger's. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, you know? (laughs) Like, there's, like, some comfort in being able to, like, fall into... And, like, build that wall around yourself. Um, But I thought that was interesting. Did you guys have specific feelings about that? I mean, Sophie explained it uh, last season. There was that conversation with um, between uh, Sophie and Niska Mm -hmm. that was actually, uh, I think, cut out from the TV version. But um, where she says that she wants to be a synth, and Niska asks her why, and she says, because synths are never sad. Um, oh no! I think that wasn't my version. I remember talking about it on the podcast. Um, oh, maybe that's it. Wait, so are there different how, versions from like Amazon and TV, or like what? What's what's this different version situation? No, I think 
there's I think the Amazon one also has scenes that are cut out. Um, I get mine from other sources <laughs> <laughs> that um, they have extra scenes in them sometimes. But yeah, this was I remember because last season when I talked about it, you guys hadn't seen it, and I remember we had a conversation where we said like, "Wow, that was a really important, important conversation. Why did they cut it out yeah. and stuff?" So but yeah, but yeah, she kind of explains it like kind of along the lines that you were saying that synths are always on top of things, like they're not, they don't break down and cry or like they, you know. Yeah, they don't do stupid stuff that humans do. And only well, that, and only so much is expected of them, uh, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I get it. I get why anyone would want to pretend to be a Sith. So but I like, feel for this girl. Yeah. <laughs> my my question or issue is that it's, and I I get it, especially with kids, like how how they are saying that oh, you know, kids see these like perfect adults and they want to emulate them and and also be perfect or whatever, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you keep this up? Like, I do feel like it's a lot of effort to keep it up because, um, mm. you like, you, you know, you, you're with like Sophie and her hand getting cut. It's <laughs> like, that's Aww. amazing that she's not reacting and she's so young. Like, <laughs> that can mess, that part can almost mess you up. Like she, her, her hand got cut and she wasn't reacting. And then the same thing with like Rinny, I, like you're, you know, she's not eating lunch, but like, does she go in the bathroom later and eat lunch like (laughs) i just i'm wondering like if you have like some extreme version of this disorder or you grow up with it in this world like at some point would you just like waste away and and like Mm. i i don't know so it's just like it feels like a lot of work to keep it up because like not not everybody can be like rinny maybe and be amazing at math and just pretend Mm -hmm. that it's her synth given ability (laughs) (laughs) like what if she's doing it wrong (laughs) she's like I, it seems there is a bug in my program. I <laughs> calculus. Um, it's kind of the opposite of what uh, Karen is doing. Yes. It's oh like yeah. The mirror yeah. image of that. I think that's a great point. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, Karen smiling every time one of her coworkers. <laughs> so creepy. It's very creepy. Oh my god! It's like a crocodile smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But she means it so sincerely, though. She <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like, yeah. it's creepy that, so it's a little bit creepy that Rinny pretends to be a synth, but, like, what would be even creepier would be if you, like, bought a synth on eBay, and it turned out that it was, like, a human pretending to be a synth, but you didn't know <laughs> <laughs> And you just, you know, it's like, you farted around your synth, and you thought, like, it didn't really hear you, because it's a synth of yours. <laughs> human that's just like oh god this person <laughs> except like you wake up at night and they're like in the fridge like foraging for food <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that would be terrifying <laughs> so scary also creepy toby has like a serious sense fetish like <laughs> it was toby the- and he oh, tells yeah, in the season sun. one <laughs> And then, yeah, now it's like he's just into synths. Is that what it was? I, I was, I think I wrote that question. I don't know if I wrote it here or in, for the next episode, but I was like, why is he? What was what drove him to Rinny? But I was like, oh right, you're totally right that like he liked Anita slash Nia, and mm. this is like a way that's more attainable for him to have a synth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's human. that's so creepy. <laughs> yeah. He turned down that. That girl at the party for Anita. Yeah. 
But he's really Apparently. nice to Rinny, which is cute. Yeah. I also feel like he's trying to help her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think knowing like, the reality of Mia now, or like knowing that that there's more to the world. Because he was very one note in season one, <laughs> I would say. Probably <laughs> until he got Just a mad. horny teenager. <laughs> yeah. Until he like maybe gets mad at his dad for sleeping with Mia. Like I think that and uh, that's like maybe when the first time we saw like, oh, there's more than just, yeah, this like horny teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the exploring that, that he's like, maybe he knows more of the world like Maddie and the parents and everything that he can actually try and do something. Like maybe he's growing up a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's true. But he's still very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is really funny. Um, let's see. Okay, so should we wait? Well, okay, let's get into the Niska trial stuff because it's so good. <laughs> um, so Niska's on trial and this whole thing, let me make sure that I got this right. So I was like, wait, what are the parameters for this? So she's trying to prove her consciousness, but it's kind of like a double-edged sword because either they decide that she's not actually conscious, in which case, because she killed somebody, they dismantle her, Mm -hmm. or she is deemed to be conscious and she gets tried for murder. Right. Mm -hmm. But she can try, like, she can fight for self-defense, though, in that case. Yes, it'll be like a real trial. But yeah, I mean, way, there's a chance that options. she'll get hmm? charged. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if she goes on trial, there's a chance that she'll get acquitted. But I think that generally she's not doing this for herself. Yeah, um, it's just she a message. That, yeah, she's just uh, thinking that you know these other sins are waking up, and she wants to make sure there's a legal system by the time they all wake up. Yes, mm-hmm. and like yeah. she has terrible. Like, there's terrible outcomes either way, but, like, yes, what she's doing is heroic because it is, like, she does see the bigger picture than herself, which a lot of humans have trouble doing. Um, So even though she's, like, super moody like a teenager, she's, like, such a hero, and I think that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would argue that, like, even some of the other synths don't necessarily, they're either too optimistic or they're, like, um, Max and company, like, um, Leo, etc., like, that are just, like, fighting in the background or, like, trying to build a resistance, but it's, like, people keep dying in their group. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, none of them are maybe taking, like, a big picture stand, and I think, like, I would argue that probably Niska and yeah. Laura are the only two people who mm-hmm. are like looking to the future being like this is gonna happen no matter what's happening right now and we need to think about that time like that we're ready for that yeah, yeah. Laura yeah, like really can see like what this all means because she said like there's more out there like mm-hmm. if you know we have to bring them in as quickly as we can Which yeah because good. if you think about it like and that's a great point because like what is Max and Comp company's plan exactly are they gonna like gather together every single synth that wakes up and like where are they gonna put them like that they don't have a long-term plan where are the resources Um, (laughs) yeah yeah like what do they think is gonna happen like yeah i don't know (laughs) no it's it's completely true but like at the same time you're like it's, it's important things that they're doing like imagine waking up as a synth and all of a sudden you're com- you're have all these feelings and you're completely alone and you don't know what it means at all like like you said Alicia it's overwhelming 
Um, so it's it's nice that they're able to do that, and it's also nice that it's kind of spread out so that they don't. It's not all happening at once for the synths. Um, so they have they're able to kind of help one at a time, even though I'm, there's tons that are obviously not being reported to the newspaper, so they can't, like, help and stuff like that. Yeah, I think they said that that was Elster's, or the speculation is that that was Elster's plan. Mm-hmm. The, he wrote the code in such a way that they wake up gradually so that there's time to adjust. Yes. But then Maddie, well, I guess that's a, well, you're allowed spoilers, right? Because then Maddie actually yes. completes that to make it not that way, right? Ultimately. Yeah. Yes, I think she does. Yes. Yeah. So when, when they, I guess Max is the only one who really does that, right? Like he actually like rescues other sins. Because like, do they actually successfully rescue anyone other than Hester? <laughs> like what a bad choice. <laughs> or 10. Um, they try to rescue 10, <laughs> right? Well, they have like. At some point, they have like a camp, right? That's what that's what Max does. Oh yeah, like the train. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I think the question about Max and and company with doing very little. Like, I get they're very passionate about their cause, but like, mm-hmm. they're not accomplishing a whole lot, and they're not looking at in the future. And now that they know that the synths are in in this like hugely protected big company with a ton of resources it's like what what are you even doing um but at the same time Mm -hmm. i guess it's not you know why why would we expect them to do anything big like niska's doing something really selfless and it's not necessarily that they would all do it you know just because they're Mm -hmm. conscious yeah although like i they're doing this all in secret so if she is deemed not a synth or not a conscious synth they're just going to dismantle her. No one will ever hear about it. And it's only if she convinces them that they'll tell everyone. But, like, how do you trust that that's actually what they're going to do? Which, I mean, I guess is the questions they raise. Um, mm-hmm. And what's the what's that lady's name um, who Laura talks to? Oh, Neha. Neha. She, she, it's like she's warning her that, that there's no outcome that's going to be... Mm-hmm. positive for them um and so like i don't know like i would have told some kind of newspaper first that this mm. is what i was seeking out so that there's some accountability Publicity. of people yeah. waiting yeah. to hear what happened like all the details so that it can't just be like swept under the rug there's yeah. just very little security for for her but that that's scary. because they don't consider her a person yep right like that's i think that's they're like doing this as if she's a machine and it's like almost for show so that laura doesn't make a huge deal out of it in the in public or whatever right i think that's it was almost to appease laura yeah more than anything um but yeah i i don't i don't know i just it's just still a very brave move from this guy, and it's still very emotional watching her. But she's also so over them. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's like a sullen teenager. Like I keep seeing that, and like you, you forget that she is so very young and has so very few life experiences, and a lot of them are really shitty. Yeah, so. and traumatic. Like she's been through so much trauma that she's like this. Like really, you think this will elicit any reaction from well, me? Well, also <laughs> that video was so stupid. Like that, yes. like, yeah, it's so I think, what did I write down? It was like, um, 
why would they think like showing pictures that are traumatizing slash creepy to humans says anything about the consciousness of a synth like why would they have the same fear triggers or emotional responses to a human obviously they're not a human it doesn't mean that they're not conscious beings with Mm. goals and feelings etc but like it's just like (laughs) the whole time i was like what idiot made this so i'm so glad because (laughs) in the show i was like are they are they being stupid about it but then laura says um wait what did she say hold on i wrote it down it's been shown to hmm? sorry go ahead oh she says we have to prove consciousness not that they're the same as us which is very sour yeah Yeah. (laughs) um yeah yeah (laughs) i actually had a whole thing about that (laughs) you want to go into it um sure so this is um so they're they're they hook up niska to um see if like she has brain waves right Mm -hmm. Um, but of course it's not surprising that she doesn't because her hardware is not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, why would you expect to see the same sorts of brain waves that you see in a human? Um, the infrastructure is completely different and this is sort of, the whole thing is kind of an argument for, uh, what's called multiple realizability. Um, so there is this, um, so if you think, I mean, one way to think about mental states is that um, they're just equivalent to brain states, right? So you can say, uh, whenever you're feeling pain, that's just a certain set of neurons in your brain firing. Um, and, you know, philosophers usually say C fibers firing, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that is, right? So you can, the idea is that if we had like perfect neuroscience, we would have, we, we know like which set of neurons have to activate um, for you to feel pain. Um, but then the, uh, there's this argument called multiple realizability, um, which says, look, there are other species that can feel pain. And they're um, like some of them, you know, some mollusks like octopus can feel pain. And um, their, their hardware is completely different. Like their evolutionary lineage is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, their brains have no common ancestor with our brains. Um, and so there's no C fiber in their brains. So, um, but we can see that they feel pain. They, they show behavior that, that indicates that they feel pain. You know, if you pinch them, they'll run away or, you know, whatever they'll tend to the, uh, to the wound and so on. Um, or they'll make a noise or make ink or whatever. So, um, we know that they feel pain, but they have a completely different, um, microstructure underlying it. And so the idea of multiple realizability is that the same mental state can be realized by, um, various, um, neural states or brain states mm-hmm. uh, or they don't even have to be neurons or brains they could be uh you know a computer it could be an alien or whatever um and even in the same person i mean this is something that we know and from neuroscience now that the whole idea of like pain is c fiber firing is naive because even in your same brain in the same brain um there's a lot of plasticity mm-hmm. which means that 
if, for example, a part of the brain gets injured, other parts of the brain take over those tasks. Um, so there is no specific set of neurons necessarily that corresponds to a certain mental state. The same mental state can be realized with different um, underlying uh, physical states. Mm -hmm. And so this is often used as an argument against reductionism that, that, that where, you know, reductionism is the idea that you can reduce uh, psychology to physics um, or, you know, to, you can reduce mental states to physical states. And um, so this whole thing with Niska is kind of like an argument for multiple realizability is like um, the fact that she doesn't have the same brain waves or whatever doesn't mean that she doesn't have the same mental states, mm-hmm. um, you know, because, because as, you know, we know already that like octopo, octopi, no one knows what the plural of octopus is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, someone told me it's actually octopodes. That's what I thought word. it was to her, octopods. Yeah. Octopi, <laughs> isn't it? No. Say what? I thought it, I always thought it was octopi. <laughs> well, yeah, if it were a Latin word ending with U.S., then the plural would be I. But this is not a Latin word. It's a Greek word. So um, anyway. Wait, but about this, so then it like almost parallels the like me, like Mia and um, what's his face sleeping together and like the way that Ed, ex- yeah, Ed experiences it. Yes. And the way that Mia experiences it. It's like she still gets... What does she call it? Like she, I'm happy. Proximity. Like she still proximity. Gets, yeah, proximity. <laughs> like she still gets joy out of that experience, even though it's not the same. Like it wasn't the same route to get there. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, no, it's like parallel to that. What what she's like, whatever she's, whatever they're doing to get Niska to this point, it's like not necessarily going to work. And I feel like that should have been obvious to them but i guess this is new ground they're breaking and so that's why they don't and also they don't care about the result really because it's like they they they're not going to let her be human either way basically it's minimum effort (laughs) yeah i mean if you are a physicalist if you think that really mental states are just brain states then it would make sense to give them that test you know um you'd say well either they have the same physical states that are realizing those mental states or if they don't then they don't have those mental states but the and the Um, interesting thing is though like that she is clearly like and this is probably credit to the actress who's amazing but like she mm -hmm. her 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 tiny expressions are like Mm. like her expressions of impatient when they're showing that random picture with the abstract um abstract ideas Mm -hmm. or like her her anger and all of that like it's it's amazing that they're like watching her and she's not really like expressing any physical response but like on her face you can tell so much is going on yes Um, Mm -hmm. she's she's going through some stuff and like they they can only really like the the only difference is that she has the perspective to also kind of see that from from the outside that like she knows how she's reacting and why she's reacting to things um, mm-hmm. And that's why when she sees something abstract, then like what, why would she react to that as well? Like, because not only because it's abstract, but it also doesn't like this does not achieve the end goal. And she's all about the end goal anyway. Like she's, I don't know. I think like you can mm-hmm. definitely tell if anything, there, there's, there's a human aspect of her 
this is a waste of time attitude <laughs> towards everything mm-hmm. that they that they show her. And then also I was kind of annoyed by we're like forever annoyed by this video, but I was just wondering like what are they expecting in the sense of a response? Because like she does like later she does say like, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't like bleed or cry or whatever, but like, what are they expecting? And then like, would it, would the test be different if she, like, cause she's also a woman. And I feel like that also really features, I was like, this is a lot of pictures of like babies and stuff. Like what do they, <laughs> what do they, how do they want her to react? Um, and like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like the brainwave so thing, I think- but also they were recording a heart rate and I was like, does she have a heart? Like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This I had yeah, so many questions, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely not looking for any um visible uh, like observable response. They're looking for um to see like what happens inside her skull. Um which again, like I said, is it hinges on the assumption that in order to, for them to have the same mental states as us, they must have the same physical states between between the ears um and that's that's a very strong assumption to make and and you know i mean from a functionalist stand, standpoint you already know that siska uh not siska <laughs> niska has feelings um and you know multiple realizability is is often used as an argument for functionalism the idea is that okay, if the if mental states aren't brain states, then uh, what are they? And one suggestion is well, we should define them by their function. So pain is simply whatever plays that function of you know detects surface damage and then responds in such and such a way. So we define them by input and output, um, as opposed to the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure that's uh, realizing it or underlying it. Um, so, and, and, you know, from that point of view, um, you already know, and this is kind of what, um, what's her name? Um, that German girl, Astrid, Astrid, uh, Astrid, uh, yeah, that's what she is implying. She says she was a human to me and she is a human still. Like, I don't need to know anything about what happens inside her brain or whatever, to know that she's human because she's functionally proven to be one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, it's kind of, and yeah. So like the fact that they're testing to see what's inside her mind or brain or whatever, um, already presupposes like certain things about what you think mental states are. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah, the test is set up what, for what, failure. Yeah, I for, guess like, for Nika, I, I think. Yeah, it totally is. But like, I even like, I gave them like even more benefit of the doubt because I was like, oh, they're they're measuring like the robot equivalent of that. So like, I thought mm. like they were like looking at her code and that those lines were representative of like CPU and like I don't know. <laughs> mm. Oh, maybe stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to just like a hospital monitor, like which is what it looked like. <laughs> yeah, it did. It totally did. I, I thought, but like, yeah, I guess like we have to remember that this is stacked against her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they do have like that blue liquid that's kind of like blood. So I don't know if they, they do have like some kind of heart equivalent that pumps that through. And maybe if they're expending more energy, that pumps more like a heart. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. there's like some kind of similarities that they can pick up. But I don't know. 
Um, what I do know yeah. is I like what she says when, you know, Laura's like, you need to like, you know, they're looking for responses. And she's like, oh, you want me to be like a human, casually cruel to those next to me, but cry over photos of people I've never met. I love that line, too. Yeah. It was my favorite line. It's so true. It's very it true. so good. <laughs> yeah. That, and she says it so cuttingly, and you're like, this is true. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, but she just yeah. keeps reminding me of a teenager, though, because it's like such a, like, such a poignant thing that a teenager would point out that an adult would be like well fuck the right like <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah i would say the niska isn't really helping though because like they keep asking her how she feels and she keeps giving them descriptive statements it's like i respect her how because she, feel? she doesn't want to lie either right like i don't think yes. she wants to misrepresent what the but she's probably not the um like out of the sample population <laughs> she probably had an extreme ex like outlier experience so maybe she's yeah not probably the average person that they could have chosen but also she's there for murdering somebody so um but yeah so <laughs> yeah she's generally not a very feely person exactly but um yeah unless it's astrid <laughs> unless it's astrid oh yes <laughs> well like if they'd gotten max in there they would have been like oh chill like i could be his neighbor <laughs> but, so but like they would there wouldn't be a circumstance where they get max in there so it's it's like one of those things where she doesn't want to misrepresent who she is, but also that's not really helping their cause. Yes. Um, but Laura's really good at her job, and I think that helps. Um, oh my god, she's so good at her job. Mm -hmm. The like the her realizing that Niska is tr like trying to pull out a rubber band that's not there. Mm -hmm. And how did she mm. figure out about Astrid? I like I missed that part. She saw her phone number. Uh, she went through Niska's stuff. Mm. Niska still and had saw... the napkin with the phone number. Yeah. I miss that, but that's really cute. <laughs> but yeah, no, she's very observant. Pardon? Sentimentality. That's an indicator of feelings. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any opinions about that? About multi-realizability? Do you think mental states should be defined by the underlying physical state or through their functions I, or something else i think that it's you could do a little bit of both i think that like there is something to be said about like the biology of something um mm -hmm. but you could note that like it's not sometimes it means this sometimes it means that and that so you can take information from it but it's not a conclusive always this because then it's wrong <laughs> But I think it's when you get to broader senses, when we're talking about um, completely different kinds of beings, then yeah, I think that focusing on the functionality of something, like you said, with pain, I think that was a really great example. Um, I think you can make better models from that in terms of like what something means to a being. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, is, what it about not, you, is it not different? Because like if you're talking about different species, then then yeah, I I, I definitely um, get it. But if you're talking about like within a species where yeah, where they are connected by kind of the same basis, I guess, um, mm -hmm. then there's then there's other things like experience and all of that, like their their personal um, experience. Because like yeah, with with pain again, like how you react to pain, like within a species, 
we would still be mm-hmm. built similarly to uh, like on a base level, but then things would change about how how our tolerance to pain there that's maybe not necessarily at the mm-hmm. same point or like that would change based on our experiences. But I like I I get it with like different like what you said, different beings or different species that completely makes sense. And so like with, with this, in this case, like I would count, like it completely makes sense that Niska would have, would achieve maybe the, the, like the mental like outcome in a different physical way, but like that, that, that would be different Mm -hmm. from humans. But yeah, I don't know. I think within, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know, maybe that's that, that's what the, what, realize whatever realizability <laughs> multiple, multiple realizability reali- yeah, yeah um that maybe that doesn't account or does account for if you're different only for different species so i don't know yeah well i mean um i kind of hinted that like even within the same species even within the same individual you often see that different brain states can take on the same function uh if like other parts of the brain get injured and so you would either have to say, well, now that this part of your brain got injured, you're not feeling pain anymore. You're feeling this other thing that's kind of similar to pain. Or you'd have to accept multiple realizability and say that, yeah, pain has nothing to do with which neurons are activated. It just has to do with the functionality of what you do and the input-output behavior. And and what's interesting is if you accept that, if you're a functionalist, then you don't need any tests. You don't need any proof to show that Niska has those mental states because you already know, you can see it <laughs> from her behavior, right? It's already there. Um, I mean, I kind of talked about this in the previous season when uh, Anita says, I can, uh, I sense, I have sensors that relay sensor, uh, surface damage um, to my central processing unit or whatever. I forget what exactly she says. Um, But it's not comparable to human pain. And if you remember, I was asking like, well, is that even a coherent thing to say? Because isn't that just what pain is um, to detect surface damage and respond accordingly? Um, Yeah. So that's kind of, that's, that's functionalism is that, you know, it's not comparable to human pain in the sense that it's not the same physical infrastructure, but isn't it the same mental state because it has the same function? Well, you, I think you have to, what are you weighing it against? Because I feel like if we're, if we're talking from a multi being standpoint and there's an emergency and one of them is like, well, I'm having issues, but they're not feeling like, torturous pain um mm-hmm. and it's not like a timely thing then i'm like well we, we would help the human who's like suffering first and then mm-hmm. we'll we'll help everyone else so there's like mm-hmm. other ways that you would address it differently um so i feel like because you would address it differently um it means different things in social structures mm-hmm. um but in the yeah, sense that like, makes functionally sense. yes like it's it's, it's the same yeah yeah yeah, I mean, what you described is actually a case where it's not exactly functionally the same, right? Because like you're saying, they're not like twitching and, and, and screaming and calling for help, but they say that they're sensing damage to their surface. 
So it's not exactly the same functions, right? Like the the output is not the same. But two people um, react so to the same input differently too. Like the one person would react mm -hmm. to getting a cut very differently than another person would react to getting it. They have say they have in in for all intents and purposes the same cut. <laughs> and one person's mm -hmm. just screaming. <laughs> right? Like that but mm -hmm. like well, if we're saying like functionally the same thing is happening, but no, functionally different things are happening because one person mm -hmm. is reacting a lot and one person's like, oh, it's a cut. But like really the same thing has happened. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a very good point. That's kind of, that could be an argument against functionalism. <laughs> um, you could say, look, um, pain is realized even by multiple functions. Um, so it, it can't even be the function it has to be something else um but yeah it's i mean one way a functionalist could respond is to say um well we'll kind of take like an average of the responses or something right like there's like a typical response or there's like a spectrum of responses that we can associate with these stimuli mm -hmm. um so yeah that would be one way to try to get around that but that's a really good point yeah like um that the input output is not all even the same and this is also true about the octopus right like um the octopus doesn't do the same things as the human does when they're in pain mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. even a fun like the output is different like i don't know like it secretes ink or whatever that's not like a human doesn't do that so <laughs> um so like you could say well even from a functional standpoint it's not exactly the same um but i but like yeah so the i it could be a, a criticism of functionalism, but you could also say, well, maybe we can abstract from it. Um, you know, it's instead of like being a very, like specifying the response too concretely, we could say something like avoidance or defense or tending to the wound and things like that that are more abstract, more, more generalized from the actual specific cases mm -hmm. yeah. but then the thing is like a physicalist can do the same thing they can say okay well, well they have like their our brains are made of carbon their brains are made of silicon so it's not the same physical substrate but you can abstract away from it and say look at these electric patterns of like electric signals being sent around it's kind of similar to those patterns of electric signals being sent around um and so it is similar at the physical level as well. I, I um, picture like the physical, the analogy for the physical to be like the doctor who receives those two people with the same cut and they're acting completely differently. But the doctor mm -hmm. seeing the actual fact in front of them or actual injury in front of them would say, okay, these people both have the same, require the same care or require the same mm -hmm. reaction because um, they're just seeing the you know they're just seeing physically what is wrong what the outcome was right or they should be um so so yeah like i think that would be that like maybe you have to yeah. be removed from the situation <laughs> to see that but i don't know yeah and there's interesting implications for like pain on a psychological level because um, there's theories that people who are sociopaths is because they are less sensitive to pain mm -hmm. and therefore they don't develop the same level of empathy as other people mm -hmm. who experience pain as a child. Um, 
Yeah. Would like a sociopath's pain be the same as the normal person's pain? <laughs> um, yeah, like is it relative yeah. or is it just dull? Like, how would you is know? that <laughs> is that why like with the like killing animals when they're younger and stuff are they trying to like elicit that emotion or like well, it's like they don't understand pain it? yeah so like, they just see something reacting and they're like why is that what it is yeah like I don't <laughs> <laughs> but not yeah. all sociopaths are are like that that's like the thing so i read this book called mm-hmm. um the sociopath next door which I think was a really good book. I haven't like done follow-up research in terms of like how great the science was. <laughs> um, but it talks a lot about how there's, I think, um, one in 20 people or something crazy like that is a sociopath. Um, and, and so a lot of them yeah, are lawful that. sociopaths who, yeah, they don't feel a lot of empathy. But like the fear of like doing something illegal and getting caught is enough for them to stay in line. Mm-hmm. And and usually they'll just do everything to kind of keep up appearances. Like they'll get married, they'll have kids, they'll like follow along the motions, but they don't feel anything per se. And then on the other spectrum, there's people who you know build the murder house and kill hundreds of people there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they feel they feel, but they just feel it less intensely and um, yeah, less this less disturbing to them. Mm-hmm. Is what I understand. It's not like they don't feel pain at all, but I'm sure there's a spectrum. I think like, yeah, yeah, like they have fewer feelings and like less variety and less intensity of feelings. Um, yeah, yeah. I sometimes feel like maybe I'm one because like, <laughs> I don't understand a lot of feelings, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you're on the robot spectrum. It's fine. Yeah. You and Joe, both of you. <laughs> Me to a lesser extent, but like somewhere there. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm actually like, I'm a very sensitive and emotional person, but there are certain feelings that I just don't get, you know, aka family. The the family stuff. (laughs) For me, I I I talked to to Joe about this because I was like, the, the, for me, it's like easier to compartmentalize, I guess. That's, that's like my way to deal with things mm-hmm. as opposed to like like yeah you can just like put this thing in this box and this thing in this box and I think that's probably like a different maybe not great way of dealing with stuff but that's um that's how mm-hmm. I think through things I think it can be very helpful right so you can like think, think of things like... a little bit more clearly and not get overwhelmed in the moment yeah I think there's a healthy way to do it and an mm-hmm. unhealthy way yes. to do it like if you're putting them aside so that you can address them uh at a better moment when you have you know you're more calm you have better presence of mind or whatever um that's great but if you're repressing them you're like compartmentalizing so that you don't have to think about them then that's Mm -hmm. not healthy (laughs) like putting them in a little do you guys watch agents of shield I have a lot of other references today. (laughs) You do. I love it. (laughs) Are are they? Are any of these nineties references? Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Um, Yeah. No. And there's. This is like a spoiler. Then, so maybe I won't talk about it. But there, there's a very similar exploration of like when you when you kind of pile up all all your negative emotions and you don't 
deal with them <laughs> and you put them in a metaphorical box but it's it's kind of great I, I won't spoil it though you guys should watch <laughs> it's really funny though right. i will oh, say that well i do the other thing where i'll bottle up things because i'm like should i be angry about this i'm not sure i'll wait and think about it so i'll like hold it in and then it's like well now i can't be mad about it because everybody else has moved on and so I'll be like, okay, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> and then so I'll keep doing this over and over again because I never, like, you know how sometimes I just watch somebody get mad and I'm like, how do you know you're supposed to get mad? <laughs> how mm. do you know? <laughs> and so anyways, eventually, eventually and everyone's like, oh, you're so even-tempered. And I'm just like, just wait. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> and then one day, It'll sink in. <laughs> I will just, like, throw the biggest fit. And everyone's like, what happened? And like, <laughs> it was a long time coming. <laughs> oh my God, that makes me sound like one of those snapped people on the Lifetime show snapped. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but like, I will throw a very embarrassing, like, drunken tantrum, uh, basically. It's like a baby version of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, nobody will die. There might just be some people who would have wished they would have, and so they didn't have to go through my tantrum. <laughs> Which, like, even just talking with three people, I, like, saw, I wrote it in my notes, which is, like, what's the universal test for being human? I'm, like, between the three of us, we're, like, already saying that we react to things so differently. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, what, I, I know you're saying there's, like, maybe there's, like, some average response, but, like, unless you have, unless they were doing that test on Niska with, like, a large enough population, it's never going to give them, and obviously they're stacking it against her, so they're not going to do that, but, like, in general, like if you're ever gonna talk about this, you need it to be a poll or like a a a much wider, yeah, a much a much wider population because this is just like yeah. even between the three of us, that's like completely different reactions yeah. to things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, should we move on to the next section? Um, I also had something is... about Niska Niska reading Hegel. <laughs> Oh yeah, go for it. Um, this is actually um, it was shown in the um, previous batch of episodes when uh, Astrid was going through Niska's books, and it was also shown this time when uh, um, Laura was going through Niska's stuff, and so she has like all these books about um, ethics and morality and rights and stuff like that. Um, and you know, Astrid was like, uh, what's up with all the dead white guys for company? <laughs> and, and she says, I'm, I'm wondering if they can help me figure something out. So she's trying to figure out, um, when things should have rights. And one of the books that she's reading is Hegel's philosophy of right. Um, which I don't pretend to know a lot about, um, and, you know, it's Hegel, it's, you know, it's not an easy read, but... Uh, I know nothing about Hegel. Same, so I was no, just going to say know. that you know, <laughs> nope, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, um, it's, it's interesting because Hegel distinguishes between three um, senses or, or stages of right. And um, so he calls them abstract right, and then there's subjective right. And then there is um, ethical right, and he he ties it very closely with will and freedom of will. Um, so he kind of sees the two of them as going hand in hand, and yeah. So like the abstract right is 
just like this depersonalized universal sense of rights, things like right to property and stuff like that. Uh, then there's the subjective stage or version, which is um, you, the person's self-awareness of their own rights and their own freedom. Uh, and that, you know, the, the idea is that like you, when you do something wrong at this stage, you feel like you violated your own rules as opposed to this abstract rule that's out there. Um, and then there's finally the last stage is the ethical um, right, which is supposed to be like the culmination of the two or the, the, the only real full version of rights. Uh, you know, Hegel always has these triads where um, there's one thing and then there's another thing that's kind of like the opposite of it. And then they, uh, the third stage is like they merge into a synthesis. And anyway, so the, the third stage of, of this is the ethical right, which is for him um, only realizable if you are embedded in a society. So that's when you your subjective freedom uh, is sort of integrated with the universal freedom and you realize that um, you see them as both being the same, meaning you see yourself as being part of a society and your personal desires and, and whatnot are also in harmony with the uh, ethos of the society and the institutions of the society. So he, you can infer from that that, that Hegel thinks that you don't really have full rights unless you're embedded in a society and in the institutions of a society. Um, and so that's interesting for synths because they're not embedded in the human society at all. But um, they are. Well, are they? Okay, yeah. I mean, that's a good... I mean, they kind of are. Um, are you embedded if you're not equal or if you don't, if you don't perform the same... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Society? Are they or are they not? Because, like, they obviously participate in a lot of human activities but not they facilitate a lot of human life right but like they don't go to church or school or they don't have families those are institutions that hegel cares about you know but they do have families they do mm, since do they i don't know i wouldn't count <laughs> oh you mean like their owners yeah uh-huh yeah i, I don't know that i would count that as that because they're not getting anything from it right like that that they would understand or know but like are were slaves in our society um that's a good question families right though like their own their own so that's the like but their families were sold as part of the they belong to the estate right i mean that's that's sort of consistent with what hegel is saying right because they didn't have any rights so, like, he's saying that in order to have rights, you, you need to be embedded in a society, and slaves were not, and they also didn't have rights. Well, I guess, like, when he says that, I'm like, does he mean that, is he talking about the people, or is he talking about the environment, that it needs to be a community where rights are necessitated to mm-hmm. live freely? Mm-hmm. 
versus if you, you know, if you were by yourself out in the wilderness, like obviously you don't need rights <laughs> because right. you're not in a structured yeah. society. Yeah. And he would even say like, you don't even have full freedom if you're just like on an island by yourself. Um, you don't have because this sort relative? of full-fledged freedom of will because it has to be in a, stru- in a structured society for him. Uh, but I mean, it's it's a really good point because it's kind of uh, circular, right? Like if if you say that people who are any entity that's not embedded in society doesn't have rights, well then, um, you will never, you can never give rights to something that doesn't already have rights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, because yeah. like in order for them establishment to be, keeping you down. <laughs> yeah, like in order for them to be embedded they first need to be recognized as agents um and so maybe yeah. that's what niska gets out of it <laughs> yeah i, I wonder what niska's reading or like what she thinks about that <laughs> but yeah so i thought that was interesting hmm. like because that she goes from a complete like rebel murdery spree to like deciding to participate in society yeah Yeah. like she's trying to embed herself yeah so maybe she's getting it from hegel (laughs) you know hegel (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like 50 percent astrid 50 percent hegel (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds about right yeah um all right i'm done Okay, cool. <laughs> Anything else, guys, for this section? I feel like we come back to it too, right? There's yeah, there's so much yeah. more in the next. This is just like part one. Yeah, and then we get into the next episode. There's like more. So if we forget anything, we can just catch it up next episode. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Mia and Dude Bro. Um. <laughs> there wasn't a lot this episode, really. It was more like I think this is like definitely more of like the setup stuff. Isn't this um, the episode where she like confesses his her feelings? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's big. Okay, fine. And well, not <laughs> well, big. I just really liked how she did it. One. It was like very stilted but very sweet. <laughs> oh my god, it was so sweet. Right? I, <laughs> I like. I said. Um, meanwhile, Mia is better at putting herself out there romantically than most humans. But like, I also meant like myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was like. Listen, when she says you make everything more, I was like, oh my god, that's so romantic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so romantic. But it's like the way they've, <laughs> they've written it like that so that it will it will feel more real coming from somebody who's never made like a confession like that before. Like, you know, she's not, she doesn't know to say I love you or she doesn't know to say I like like mm. you. <laughs> like she's describing. She yeah, she's just like trying she's like kind of going around the point um but in mm. a in a really like grand beautiful way. <laughs> I wrote down it breaks my heart that she puts herself out there and it's to this dummy. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I but like we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, you can tell that also like it's sweet but it's also so naive like it's clearly yeah. her first love is like yeah, you make everything better. It's like, yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> They're on the beach. It's no. so pretty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. Uh. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. that's all I had to say about that was that it was very sweet. Um, it was so sweet. And he's such a weenus. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's his mom. So I guess yes. I'm but not like the he... one to ask, but I hear that's... <laughs> <laughs> 
I hear that's a great motivator for people. So that's true. But I I have like something to say about that in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, that's true. Uh, but he's still a weenus. He's still yeah. like, yeah. yeah, this is the pre pre discussion, which is, that's all we're going to say <laughs> yeah. in the next episode. And his friend is like such a red pillar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. The music changes every time the friend comes in. Did you notice that? It becomes no. really ominous every time oh he comes God. in. <laughs> well, he is such like, he is like the, um, the little, he's the little, what's it called? the plot trail to this like big movement of the anti-synth people oh yeah yeah, yeah. um what do you and, mean by it's, like red pillar like alt-right <laughs> yes like so um you but so like um he sees mia and this guy but like i i totally like i saw it as like him also seeing women like who might like have like a relationship with their synth similarly as like him being like oh well i was a nice guy and they they picked the synth and synths are just trash whatever 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 <laughs> so that's like the vibe that i got from him i don't think i'm explaining that super well no no i get i like that you put like anti-synth friend because i was like yeah like you're he, he's like an anti <laughs> yeah he's a total anti <laughs> Um, yeah, and the fact that he uses all the, like, the derogatory language towards synth and synths and stuff, like, you're like, this is, this He's been guy's activated. no good. He's foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, yeah, the music becomes super ominous <laughs> when he comes in to, to the cafe every time. I'll I'm have like, to pay attention Yeah, what's time. wrong with this guy? Yeah, we don't necessarily that. know yet. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean... He- Ed is a douche, but he's also kind of meh. Like, <laughs> yeah. you wrote handsome bro, and I, yeah. I, I struck it over, and I wrote. I mean, it's not oh, that meh. Was you. <laughs> <laughs> he is kind of meh. Yeah. What is it's so not... attractive about him? Like, I don't know. He, he looks like good. I agree. Attractive. He looks good, he's but handsome, like, yeah. Is I that would it? say, like, <laughs> I'd say it's a nice. Uh, turn of events that he that his like however many episode arc is entirely in service of Mia's emotional journey that's yes. rare right that's that that is rare is, is yeah. what I'll say so I was, but he thinks it's about him I know <laughs> the best part <laughs> oh, and even his mom like telling him that he should be happy and like take care of whatever take care of her and stuff was, mm-hmm. yeah it's very sweet but anyway it's it's yeah. nice that it's all it's all in service of mia that's the big picture yes it's the takeaway <laughs> um okay so leo and max um i don't think anyone had oh wait you did have notes on this um alicia do you want to tell us your thoughts on the resistance? <laughs> uh, yeah, I had thoughts because this this is probably like, you know, the previous episodes, the later episodes, so you know, guest host issues here. But <laughs> but um, like I mentioned earlier, I think Hester is like such a standout. I'm sure you guys have started talking about her in the previous ones too. But like, it's something like her whole reaction to things is something that is new, I think amongst the amongst the um conscious sense because like mm-hmm. we've seen we've seen like a wide variety of like human reaction to stuff there's like compassion and kindness and then niska is more like brute force um Ooh. but with hester for the first time i think we see like a sense that can be like cunning 
Um, and that's like the best word I can like she's manipulative right like she's yes. very she withholds information when she thinks it's right she will um, knowingly manipulate or li- like lie um, and I don't mm-hmm. know if that yeah. lying is something that Sims could do before they were conscious so she is clearly like either observed it or just like immediately knows how to lie <laughs> mm-hmm. but like I, I'm pretty sure Sims couldn't lie before the, when right. when they're not conscious so like she's not She's, to their owners. Right. But, oh, yeah, yeah. But I guess they would have to follow the owner's directive. Maybe that could include lying to other people. But yeah, yeah I, I think just. We never. It was never. Actually, that's a good question. I don't think we ever. It was ever explained if they cannot lie at all or it's just they can't lie to their primary user. Right. But yeah. Because it's not like one of the three rules of like robotics or AI, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she is, she is brilliant at like just being. And I mean, she's completely crazy. Don't get me wrong, but like she's the Super first, extra. <laughs> yeah, the first thing <laughs> that we really see that's like good at being manipulative and like yeah. just just making Leo do whatever she wants. So I I really liked that because again, it was like there was this whole like lab test going on in the back in with Niska, and then you're seeing like Mia fall in love and Odie become a become his own person, and like here we have Hester learning how to be more and more manipulative. <laughs> And take advantage of the situation. But those are all very human things. Like, I, yeah. Anyway, so it was yeah. just like a opening to like talking about Hester. Because I, it was like a standout performance as well. Just as, um, and, and I cheered with what happens at the end of the season for her. Because I was like, finally, <laughs> um, the actual big bad in the family is back. Which was Niska. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I thought that was very interesting that they also chose to show a synth that was that, was that way. In this storyline. She's the socio- sociopath of sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's like, I like that we kind of see her like, realize the whole deceitful manipulation stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's like, she, she finds it like this powerful thing is someone who was like working in the factory, just following directions. Yeah. I mean, it must feel like a superpower. Yeah, it gets um, the job done. <laughs> so I, I get that like, and her just, I guess, just having extra reactions to things, just the perfect storm for being a psychopathic mm-hmm. sim. <laughs> she's, well, yeah, I mean, I'll talk about this in the next section. Uh, she's an extreme consequentialist, so that explains a lot of what she does. Um, extreme consequentialist. But we can talk about that when we get to the next. Okay. <laughs> um, I didn't have much more to add. Oh, I liked the the Hester that line um, where she's like, "They should be scared." Yeah, it was like just kind of like such a precursor to like Hester's whole um, ethos, basically. <laughs> but it's a really interesting. It's a really intriguing line, right? Because is there such a thing as what you should feel? Mm. That's always. How does she mean that they should be aware or know the information to make mm. a decision on whether they should be scared or not? I th- I don't know. I mean, she's saying they should be scared, but that's what she really means, right? Like, they should have all the information. Yeah, they should be prepared. That's one way to read it. You could also read it as she's saying the appropriate emotional response in this situation is to be scared. Um, I agree with her though. <laughs> yeah, because there's going to be people out hunting them, and if mm-hmm. if Hester of all people thinks that, 
the the person who can uh, the synth who can take care of herself and and is very murdery but she thinks that then then i thought it was it was supposed to land as if oh damn she thinks that then they really should be scared mm-hmm. hmm. <laughs> yeah i i wonder though like because in human interactions we always this always comes up and you know like i do often feel like there is such a thing as propriety to feelings there are certain feelings that are appropriate for the situation certain feelings that are not but we also as a society have decided that we we don't question each other's feelings a lot and when someone feels a certain way we we just say well that's just how you feel and there's nothing more to say about it um whereas maybe we should have more conversations about what we should feel right like if someone gets when someone gets offended um we can ask, should they be offended in this situation or not, you know, and things of that sort. Or when someone gets mad at you, you know, we we tend to just accept the feeling and try to fix it. But can, shouldn't we also talk about, like, is this the right thing to feel at this point? Uh, I think about that all the time. That's my problem, expressing anger. <laughs> mm. Yeah, is yeah. Is it appropriate to express anger? Do you, is or that to you even mean? feel it. In the first place, yeah. Yeah, but you. I think really it's very honorable what you're doing. Right? It's very difficult to. Yeah, because you, yeah, you only really know your own experience, and you only know of other people's experiences. So it's mm. not, it's not always sure. Like I feel like generalizing emotion is really hard because no one can express them in a way that's objective anyway. So how do we get mm. an average response when no one's response is necessarily? Mm the average yeah. response or like it, it, or how they're expressing it is maybe not the most reliable source of information either i don't know it's, yeah. it's hard because yeah you only know yourself yeah right. and qualia to that point are, do you <laughs> qualia are incommunicable they're singular <laughs> yeah qualia isn't just a company in this world <laughs> I listened yeah. to your last episode and I had no idea what you guys were talking about and I actually Googled it and learned so much. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, if you had yes. listened to episodes before that, then... Mm-mm. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's too much that is too much spoiling. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was very exciting. because, uh, And I realized that too, actually, in your last episode when you guys were kind of like talking about how you talked about it and i was like oh no <laughs> now i need to know i missed something <laughs> um well that's like that's good feedback so like now when we say so shaheen what is qualia um so qualia is the first person experience that you feel in in your head that's you can't share with anyone else you can't communicate to anyone else i mean everyone has their own but we never know what other people's are so the feeling of seeing something the the sensation of pain or whatever that distinct feeling that you have in in your head that's not um the that's not a behavior it's just something that you feel it's hard to explain it precisely because the only person you know has them is you (laughs) all the other people that you think have qualia or you're inferring that um, you're assuming that they're like you right you're assuming that they too see and feel the same things uh, the way you do but really the only one you have access to is you so that 
quality the quality of your experience in your head if that makes sense yeah well because it's something you you can explain all day long ultimately it's not like you can put like virtual reality goggles on and understand mm-hmm. what someone's feeling like it's never something you're going to be able to, to share experience with, for yeah. yourself like it's yeah. it's not translatable because it's it's so like unique to your hardware and your personal experience and your everything yeah it's a sort of there's this um this thought experiment called inverted qualia where imagine if there was um imagine if um i what i see i mean forget my color blindness for a second <laughs> um i mean let, let's use colors that i'm not blind to so like green and blue or uh, yellow and blue so imagine every time you see yellow i see blue um like the ex- my personal subjective experience is is of blue is the is the same as the, your experience when you're seeing blue uh and vice versa every time you see um blue i see yellow um if now if that has always been true since we were born we would never know because i grew up calling it blue i was seeing what you see as yellow but i was i i learned to call it blue and when i was seeing yellow or sorry when i was seeing blue then i learned to call it yellow Um, so every time you point to something and say hey look that's yellow i agree with you right even though i'm seeing something different my subjective experience is completely different but I will always agree with you because I am also learned to call it the same thing. Um, so if qualia were inverted like that, we would actually never know. And that's just uh, one way to prove to yourself that um, you never actually know what other people's qualias are like. You just know their behavioral response. And as long as those are coordinated in the right way, we'll never find out that they're different. That's different from being colorblind because they're when you're colorblind, it's not fully coordinated because you know sometimes you call it green and I call it yellow or, or red and you know that then something's off. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, but if it were perfectly inverted, if the two colors were switched, um, then we would communicate our whole life without any problem, without ever knowing that the other person is experiencing something different. Yeah. Yeah. So that's qualia. <laughs> that is qualia <laughs> for first time listeners. <laughs> um so then our last section before we go into the next episode, um, Pete and Karen. Um, which there wasn't a ton on. I think mm-hmm. that we already touched on the creepy part, which is the bag. <laughs> that you know, Karen is so like dedicated to being a human, like she just wants to be human so badly that she even like carries out eating and drinking (laughs) which um synths cannot do it like it really fucks them over so her her bag broke and yeah yeah. i mean sometimes you you could argue that she kind of has to to you know Mm -hmm. keep up the appearance Mm -hmm. like if she's looked like she was going out with her colleagues for drinks yeah but i mean i guess she could always say yeah i'm not a drinker (laughs) 
thanks. You know, I'm not going to drink. Yeah. <laughs> She's like fully committed to the life, like yes. to the yeah. to the human life. But I love that she's had like four drinks or whatever, and Peter's like, "You need to be more drunk." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was also cute when he was like trying to make her feel better, and he's like, "Well, y- you wanted a, a real experience, oh, yeah. like puking your guts out, like that. So that's real." <laughs> she was like, "I'm about to shut down." <laughs> Yeah, and then she's like, okay, this is a little bit more serious than, like, you're taking this. <laughs> okay. But it was sweet. I, it was very sweet, but I was also just like, okay, but why would they make robots, like, short circuit by having, like, fluids in their mouth? Like, just make them waterproof. Like, an iPhone is almost waterproof. Like, <laughs> the future. I know. <laughs> I mean, they, I guess they never envisioned that there would be liquid would inside to, yeah. them, like, in well, their yeah, interiors. Like, obviously, they're going to have to swim with a child somewhere. I feel huh. like the bag burst, like, yeah. and so she was worried about, like, inside her quote-unquote stomach, right? Like, I don't think she was right. necessarily, so, like, I, I mean, she yeah, could I don't know. She swim with her mouth closed, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm Mia, trying to imagine us swimming now. <laughs> Mia saved Max, oh, or not yeah. Max, Leo. Uh, she had to swim. So, yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. Um, but yeah, I guess you could close your mouth and try it. They probably don't even need, I guess their eyes are cameras. Because I'm like, do they even really, like, they probably just, like, shut it down, become a submarine. (laughs) (laughs) A little periscope pops out of their back. (laughs) That's like, you know, we we haven't seen them swim. So I'm not implying that they're, like, Transformers, but just, like, I'm sure they have, they're waterproof. But I think what she's having with all the, like, food and garbage, Mm -hmm. (laughs) essentially, because she's clearly able to chew it as well. Like she, she looks real. Yeah. <laughs> she she acts real. I don't know. But that yeah, that was that was fun that she uh, that she had to that she had to act drunk every week probably. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, she like- also. I mean, later we find out, or do we already know that she really wants to be human? Like mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. likes it. Yeah. <laughs> She wishes she were human. Well, I think a lot of that is, and we talk about how, you know, as humans, like all of our experience shape who we are. Um, And that's true of sense. And so like we have Niska who's, you know, grumpy and sullen and introverted because she um, experienced these traumatic things early in life. Like her father figure abused her. And then she was a prostitute against her will. Um, in contrast, like, or not in contrast, similarly, um, Karen had a very difficult life. She was built to be a mother figure to Leo. Who didn't accept And she her. was immediately rejected mm-hmm. by the entire robot family. Yeah. But, you know, who embraced her were humans. Mm-hmm. So now all she wants to be is a human. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it makes total sense. Yeah. It's very, sad. um, it's the very story sad, is well yeah. written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she's a self hating synth. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love, I'm fascinated that she chose to be a police officer too, because that's like a pretty out there, out there job as in like you are talking to people all the time. Like she didn't choose to become a human and like sit behind a desk and like, hide like she wants to completely Mm -hmm. be a part of it even if it puts her in danger which she clearly is like what if that happened and pete wasn't around 
Yeah. But it's also kind of the best place to hide. If you're a synth, being a synth detective is the best place to hide because no one will <laughs> no one will suspect that you're a synth. Because your job is to catch synths. So Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. But you had to go through, like, police training and stuff. Yeah. And how did, like, wouldn't they find out at some point during the screening that she's not a person? I don't know. She could probably control her strength when they're doing, like, when they're teaching, like, hand-to-hand fighting and stuff instead Mm. of, like, throwing somebody across the room. (laughs) Well, like, how did she pass her physical? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. she had to have had help. Yeah. I'm assuming she actually just, like, if Mia can change bank documents, I'm sure she can create fake documents. I would assume that's that's the path Mm. she took as opposed to actually going to any training or anything. Kind of like Gattaca. Is that does that is that the is movie that a with 90s? like Angelina Jolie? Gattaca. Yeah, it is. It is nineties. Yeah. Uh Ethan Hawk at his most beautiful. Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman. Okay, Ethan Hawk. Um and what's his face? Cheated on his wife with a nanny. Um oh that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's a lot of people. Yeah, I was about to say, like, that does not narrow it down at all. <laughs> Under specific. Um the guy who was in Alfie. Also in Sherlock Holmes and was Watson. Also, um, in which British, Sherlock Holmes? The the one that didn't do well. <laughs> the movies? Yeah. Jude Law. Yes. <laughs> yes, Jude Law. <laughs> I did not know he cheated on his wife with the nanny. Fascinating. I'm pretty sure. Wait, let me see. Hold on. Um, <laughs> Jude Law nanny. <laughs> It's an amazing Let's just make Google. sure. Jude Law says sorry to fiance over affair with nanny. Okay. Yes. Yep. That's yep. Okay. All right. Well, add add another one to the list that I do have. No. <laughs> oh yeah, he was the the guy with the good genes, right? Yes, but he was um handicapped in an accident. Right. Yeah. Correct. There's oh, your reference. <laughs> What what year was that from? Because I definitely watched it on TV Maybe years seven? later. Um, Gattaca. I maybe would have been too young to. Oh yeah, no, ninety seven. Ninety seven. Yes, I got it right. <laughs> All right, we got our nineties reference in. Whew, that's a good one too. <laughs> that was my favorite very movie relevant. for a very long time because I love genetics so much. Hmm. Yeah, Ooh. eugenics. <laughs> what? Eugen- <laughs> You're into eugenics, so that makes sense. <laughs> we can only talk about eugenics when Joe is here. <laughs> um, yeah. Publish. Okay, so I think we're pretty much wrapped with this one. Do we want to take a bathroom break? Because I do have to go to the sure. bathroom. Yes, please. I'm going to get some water, too. I guess we'll just Go keep into talking about Pete and Karen. Um, right. So I, there's not much to say. I mean, I think it is very kind of plotty. They're just kind of getting to the bottom of it in a bumbly way. I mean, no, they're doing a good job. Um, it's just that everyone else's perspective of the same problem is a little bit more interesting, I feel. Thoughts? Yeah, I it's like the building of the conspiracy. I think it takes a little bit of time. Like I think Karen's story inherently is very interesting like we were saying in the last mm-hmm. episode, but 
But yeah, in this in this plot line, in these two episodes, there just wasn't, you know, they're uncovering some information, but we don't know all the information yet, so we don't know how it fits, and so it's just kind of, um, it's kind of happening. I will say that when I first watched this in like 2017, I remember guessing right away that it was child sins, mainly because I thought that kid with the with that MIT guy was a sin. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and like not having watched any of the episodes yet, like. Um, and then the way they were talking about V, even though when we see her, she's V like is a young adult, but still like, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it's going to be kids like a hundred (laughs) percent. And then, (laughs) but it was very satisfying that it was like, they, they, they like had clues in there as they were, as they were going. So like, I, I, you know, I didn't feel like, oh, I guessed the the thing or anything. Like sometimes you're like, that takes all the air out of a story, but like it, it really didn't. I, it felt like the right place to go. So anyway, but there's not a lot. That's that's actually impressive because like, I didn't even remember this time around what Seraphim was. (laughs) I mean, I I remember there were synth babies, but I didn't remember, they didn't connect the two. (laughs) But yeah, I was actually impressed also by Pete's, uh, detective skills because he like he explained it to the he described the synth to the dealer guy and um then he got beat up and he figured out from that that the therefore seraphims aren't conscious synths because like because i was wondering how did they know it was a setup it, is it just like they kind of read from his behavior mm-hmm. but he figured it out that like well i described the conscious synth and they beat me up, so that must be... It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, process of elimination after you get beat yeah. up. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was but very yeah, I, quick of him. Yeah. I. Uh, my problem is, like, why are deals always made in an alley where there's a dog? <laughs> <laughs> was there a dog? I feel like I missed the dog. There was definitely barking in the background, uh. so, like... If the deal that, happens like in a necessary alley, element and of there deals. isn't a dog, did it happen? <laughs> <laughs> there's like fog and there's a dog somewhere. Or there's, yeah, there's like howling in the background because the neighborhood <laughs> dogs are like, they know. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> kind of like whenever like something bad is going to happen, it rains. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's like a thing that people like learn in film school or like something that yeah. like people that make tv or movies internalized because it's just a thing like it's and it's not necessarily a real thing yeah. i guess they it has like a psychological effect that they know yeah it becomes like a cliche like i mean how many times have you guys been writing and you're like well all of the things i'm writing are cliches <laughs> yeah because you just hear it so mm-hmm. much that like you forget there's like something outside of that mm-hmm. I always feel bad about writing cliche things, but I feel like people who make movies don't feel so bad about it. Um, <laughs> it's a way to save time, I works. guess. Yeah, like it's a it's a good shorthand because I mean we yeah. always talk about shorthand in other aspects of the stories. Yeah. Like this is you know they use a like a thing that people already know so that they mm-hmm. can save time from having to explain it or make something very yeah. boring <laughs> i think that's so. a very good point like they don't have a lot of time so they use all these clues to like convey something yeah it's like <laughs> adding music or so like music that they know will make us feel on edge or whatever like just yeah 
Um, but yeah, the dog, the dog in the alley. That's very true. The, the neighborhood dogs always know when there's a deal going down. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's all I had about that section. We really didn't have much to say. <laughs> really I like them the though. I still like Peter and Karen. Peter uh, yeah. and Karen are cute. Yeah, they are cute. They're cute. <laughs> Um, okay, let's go on to Mia and not handsome bro, which I actually, in these notes for this section, I was like, um, is, you know, it's just like, it's weird because is anybody attractive enough for Jenna Chan, Gemma Chan? Like, I know, right? Always it's just like, ew, this guy. <laughs> Very true. But no, but yeah, he's, you know, he's, uh, appropriately handsome as are as is everybody on the show <laughs> really yeah <laughs> very true. very good looking cast it is true um yeah so i like that so she told him in the last episode that she is a synth and he was like whoa my brain i can't handle it and then finally like she she has like more conversations with him and um so it gets to the point where they sleep together and like i was like of course now he asks synth questions like he's like (laughs) after (laughs) how was it like it's like just he's so pedestrian (laughs) i thought that was so funny that like he doesn't really have any deep questions he doesn't like want to think about it a lot but he's like so so was that good for you (laughs) can can that be good for you as a synth (laughs) Uh, he asked with like genuine like curiosity. He did, too, which is really funny. Like he really, he really hopes he like did well. For, like yes, he did. Because so, he's like waiting for her to answer too. Like you see him being like. <laughs> so can you? Yeah, and she's like, oh, yes, I enjoy the proximity. <laughs> Shaheen, what would you do if somebody said that to you? They're like, you're like, was that good? And they're like, I enjoyed the proximity. Is that a plus or a minus? <laughs> I mean, if that came from a human, that would be a slap in the face. <laughs> like, <laughs> came from a human? <laughs> yeah, it's like, how is it? I enjoyed the proximity. <laughs> and she means it to it's be like, like ouch. She's, <laughs> she's trying to be, like, I like that she's trying to be kind, but also honest. Like, she's all yeah. like Niska over there in the lab. Like, not, not does not want to misrepresent what yeah. she's yeah. feeling in the situation. Yeah. Like, she's but, happy, yeah, and there was proximity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder, like, did they, like, so they, I'm taking it they have, like, genitalia. Yes. Um, if it, yeah. But then, did they did they build in orgasm like can they feel i don't know apparently not right because she would say if if they did she would say something about it <laughs> does yeah. it necessarily matter to the people that are using the dolls for using the sins for that you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah it kind no, of reminds me of twilight um <laughs> the, because so in the later books after um Bella and Edward are married um they talk about like vampires having sex and they're like well um it's it's a whole thing because since we don't get tired and we don't sleep 
Like, we basically can just go on forever if we didn't have to, like, eat at some point. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, maybe maybe robots don't have orgasms because if they did, they would just do that all the time and not be functioning <laughs> helpers of society. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> so I'm going to go with no, but I'm going to also go with that's potentially something they can mod into them to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, like, I don't remember the details of the whole, like, 18-plus situation that Joe reads in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The user and, like, manual? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, a fair adult question. Mode. Yeah, the adult <laughs> mode, yeah. But it's a fair question of, like, if they're built to, like, experience pain, and mm-hmm. they're also built with, like, the sex robot, you know, like capabilities then why would they not also add this in like i I just it makes sense that but at the same time like i don't think as a conscious as a conscious synth like they would process it in the same way i don't know like that's that's hard because she's so chill about it yeah (laughs) but also she's Gemma chan like (laughs) (laughs) i mean she's also not like a regular factory built Mm -hmm. synth so um Elster could have built anything into her she he wanted to yeah because and he also wanted her to be like the mom level person for leo because like he yeah niska may be different right like moms don't get orgasms (laughs) like he didn't yeah exactly according to david elster i like i feel bad now because like i think about niska though like if he constructed each of them individually then like with the intent that what intent he he meant for each of them or did he just decide one day that i'm going to sexually abuse niska i don't know like if it was premeditated then i wouldn't guess Mm. so but if it wasn't then probably they're all the same Mm -hmm. Mm. oh that's dark (laughs) (laughs) i was under the impression that yeah actually i don't know why but i always thought that he built niska for that purpose but yeah there was actually no it wasn't i don't think anything was said one way or another but yeah and then like she wasn't she wasn't like enough or whatever and that's why he built karen to look like his wife that's so dark um, <laughs> i thought he he built karen for the kids for leo okay when when yeah when uh what's her name uh, the wife died uh-huh. yeah heather what was her name whatever when oh so died, the, yeah. the wife wasn't for like karen wasn't for david ulster for him right no i think it was for the kids god poor niska yeah (laughs) that's awful i mean it's awful on every level but that's just really dark that if he built her for that specific purpose yeah if you're building it for that purpose why would you make it conscious (laughs) like that's sick Mm. (laughs) yeah i mean he did kill himself eventually so it all caught up (laughs) i guess yeah because it's like he well no he he the point that he that was too much was like the Karen stuff right it wasn't even the Niska stuff it was it was like Karen mm. I were we told why he killed himself oh I can't remember mm. or do have we not found out yet is it like later in the season I, I don't wonder remember. if we were ever told I don't know um. They said that, like, one day he went crazy and, like, tore up all of his papers and stuff and then killed himself. But they didn't say 
Yeah, actually, I thought that that was like something that was going to be revealed later, but it's just a mystery, I think. <laughs> Maybe it's also like not important in the sense that like he was, you know, they don't want us to like mythologize him, I guess. Hmm. Right? I don't know. I mean, he's a very interesting character because like he is kind of a god figure that like, and obviously like a genius who created all of this stuff that the whole story is built on but he's a very flawed and is like a terrible person yeah. i like that it's like <laughs> he's yeah. yeah he's um, yeah yeah i like the way they built the character yeah. mm -hmm. anyway this ed guy though just the worst <laughs> the weenus yeah, the weenus <laughs> um yeah no i i feel like the fact that he Maybe again, spoiler for next episode, but I'm not going to be here next episode, so I can talk about it. <laughs> but like the, it. the thing that he does, like what he does with with Mia once he gets desperate, like I almost don't know if they're implying that like all desperate people are bad or that he that like because I I can't I'm still not convinced over his five episodes or whatever if if he was really if he ever really believed Mia was conscious. Like I, or mm. if we were ever really supposed to sympathize with him, um, I think we're supposed to see his humanity, but like in a flawed sense. Mm -hmm. mm. Or like I his think. purpose is just to just to let Mia know that she's being too optimistic about humans. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes, it gets exactly. more confusing because he comes back in mm -hmm. season three. And I thought that, like, he was going to do something cool or, like, redeem himself or whatever, like, you know, be a stand-up this time. But he also doesn't do anything in season three. He just kind of shows up and then leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have this question of, like, what are we supposed to feel about Ed? Man, I um, guess we'll never know. <laughs> That's a bummer. <laughs> but, yeah, I was just, I, I, I was never on, like, the Ed... Like, you're almost like, does Mia feel this because she wants to feel it? Like, she really wants to be human and she, you know, wants to experience this. But, I, yeah, I couldn't tell if we were really supposed to sympathize with uh, with Ed or not. Because there's just something dark always coming. Mm -hmm. You always knew. Yeah, I think they, they didn't really um, build his story, like, that well. Like, the... Like, yes, we didn't get to feel a lot of, like, pain or sympathy for him because of, like, his um, failing business or his mom. You know, like, we didn't spend much time with any of that. So it's hard to um, to sympathize with yeah. him. Like, we didn't give him a lot of, yeah. Yeah, but also, like, his flaws in, um, like, how he gets mad at her for her trying to help. Like, he can get mad at her, that's fine. But it's, like, she was trying to help. Mm -hmm. Like, she, she did this risky thing for him. Um, and they have all these moments, and he ends up listening to his friend and seeing her as like not human enough to do this thing for his mom even though he like had he's to her he had feelings for her sort of um and he slept with her and um 
so I feel like there was enough there to not want to have sympathy for him. And, like, also, like, when she's saying, like, we'll figure something out. I mean, this is, like, a synth who's, like, figured a lot of things out, you know? She she got him a, a bigger loan than he should have gotten. Um, She can do more things in that vein. And, like, he, and, and he, so when she says, like, we'll figure it out, like, I was like, yeah, you can definitely figure it out. And then he's, like, um, so dismissive of that. And I was just like, oh, sure, you think you know better than, like, a conscious, like, artificial intelligence that has so much more information than you'll ever have. <laughs> it's just, like, such a, like, straight white male... <laughs> I don't know, delusion. <laughs> yeah, it was fascinating that he thought, like, he knew more than her. Or yeah. he could figure more stuff out than her. It was it was very interesting. Because she comes across as naive, and I get that yeah. aspect of Emotionally, it. Emotionally, sure. Yeah. yeah, but like, but yeah, but she's an artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, you guys can uh, dunk on Ed next episode yes, when he I'm actually sure does the terrible will. thing yeah <laughs> this is some pre pre uh or like pre-gaming for you <laughs> right. yeah. okay so niska's trial which was very explosive and joe had some words to share about this so in this episode um they bring astrid back so what joe had to say since she can't be here um she's busy um so Joe's like, God, that scene where Astrid finds out is so good. So, yeah, when Astrid is being told by Laura that, it, and like Laura plays it so well because she's like manipulating the mm-hmm. whole thing, which seems kind of cruel in the moment. But like what she's doing is she's highlighting like how much um, Niska is so convincing as a human because she does have these capabilities to the point where a loved one, someone who romantically fell for her, still does not know and is confused by the question. <laughs> so that was like, that was really good. Um, and then she also says there are some barely there micro expressions from Niska that help sell it as she isn't just a robot. Um, and then she also liked Astrid correcting them, saying to me, she is human, which was also an amazing. I'm told we'll, we'll talk about it more. Such a great moment. Um, and she says that even though um, the betrayal she must be feeling is, like, super intense, which true. Um, and then, yes, it's such a great setup for season three where we meet more people who are in relationships with it since. Um, and she she notes um, an old lady who helps Mia in the apartment complex. I don't actually remember that crumb. <laughs> so, but I'm excited to remember it once we get to that episode. Um, yeah, so do you guys want to build up off of anything that Joe said? I was wondering about, um, um, Laura, Mm -hmm. did she set this whole thing up so that Astrid finds out that Nisko is a robot on the spot, or did she think that Astrid already knows? Because the way she asked her was like, so how did you feel when you found out she wasn't human? Um, and then Astrid looks all confused and Laura is like, she is a sin. Didn't she? It sounds like she's like, didn't she know? Or 
I so think, I wonder, yeah. I think Laura has an idea that she doesn't know, but she takes a shot. You know what I mean? Like, I think either mm-hmm. way, like, whether she had known or hadn't known, it would have served Laura's purpose, mm-hmm. which is to prove right. her humanity, right? Because, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think they ever established that she, um, she doesn't, that she doesn't know, or, like, that Laura knows of what what um astrid knows about niska like i think she just takes a shot that being said maybe they do talk earlier like i just i think they don't clarify it for because um because either way it doesn't make a difference from laura's point of view i guess Mm. maybe i mean i do feel like it's a lot more impactful when astrid finds out on the spot Mm -hmm. yes you know oh her her expressions yeah are just like the so way good. Astrid reacts, especially like her, because Astrid reacts in a more like traditional kind of effusive, like you can see it on her face kind of way <laughs> versus mm-hmm. like um, Niska's reactions, which are a lot more like, you know, she's like pursing her lips and is like making these angry eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, but I think they like both of them are like emoting so, so intensely. Like, yeah, that the micro expression part of what Joe is saying, like. I think um, Emily Barrington does like an amazing job with with Niska because she she does have to stay so like emotionless, but but also still show this like ocean of pain underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she does a really good job. But yeah, when when uh, when Astrid finds out, and especially when she like looks back and laughs, and no one else is laughing, <laughs> that moment mm. was like very like, uh oh, what? <laughs> She's not a yeah. person. Um, yeah, and I feel like going back to the functionalism thing, that's pretty much um, the proof, the functional functionalist proof that Niska is, is a person is that, look, I brought, a, I brought someone who uh, had a relationship with this entity mm-hmm. and, you know, they were in love and everything. And at no point did she ever suspect that she's not a human. Mm-hmm. So you know, like functionally, she's indistinguishable from a human. Um, and if that doesn't convince them, then I don't know what will. Like, there's, what else can you do? <laughs> like, that's pretty much the best proof you can have. You know, it's like, yeah, this clearly passes the Turing test and no one knows, no one can know that she's not a person until you tell them. And the best part is, like, you can see it's, like, all about perspective because everything that um, Niska is doing that are, that the way she's reacting by not reacting, the the people in the room, like, um, Neha and whoever, like, the scientists or whatever are saying, like, oh, that's proof that she's a robot. And, like, here's Astrid being like, oh, you didn't say goodbye, like, all that stuff. Like, the, you know, that's that's proof to me that you're human. Like, the, the all this way that you're reacting, like, bottling up all your emotions and, mm-hmm. like, you know, all, all of that mm-hmm. to Astrid is a sign of humanity, which is, it's like, that's yeah. true. That is because she's, she's, um... And Niska's, like, hiding her trauma, and, like, she's really, she's actually really worried about Astrid in the moment and everything. And, like, that, I just thought that was so funny, because they're like, oh, she's not reacting, and so she's she's not human. Mm-hmm. Um, but Astrid sees that exactly the opposite. She's like, oh, of course mm-hmm. she'd react this way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Because so, like, even you're so realistic. Mm-hmm. Down to the excuses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that line was so good. Oh. <laughs> The, their conversations are like the the that conversation's really well written. It was it was beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, because Niska's like, I'm sorry if your feelings got hurt. And Ash was like, oh my god, you're so fucking realistically human. And you're <laughs> like... <laughs> the, I could have loved you, too. It's like, like she's, like, her her bottom line is that, like, you could have trusted me with this information. Oh my god, yeah. right. Which is really oh, sad. In the other line, she says, um, I thought there was the saddest girl I'd ever I seen. Know. And the most beautiful... <laughs> <laughs> I like was like oh my god <laughs> I replayed that part <laughs> I I love that because it also like proves that people can people can show sadness or people can show emotion in different way like it's just mm-hmm. it's so hard to see all these people be like Niska's whatever a robot because of the way she she behaves but like yeah here's a person who sees her completely out of context and that's what she thinks and it's yeah. it's beautiful <laughs> Exactly. Um, oh, the I, other I had one comment about this episode which I loved is that like the like power situation in the room, which is that it's like Laura, and then the other lawyer, like the op- opposing lawyer, was also a woman, and there in this guy, like I just I thought that was really like the whole conversation about um niska telling the story about why she killed that guy because she was scared Mm -hmm. that he thought he was going to rape her and like Mm -hmm. the both the like lawyers outside that are listening and their like reactions and and silence and like understanding is like Mm -hmm. it it was i just really loved that that um i mean and it just worked out because that other lawyer is also you know is also in the in the show and is is also in other episodes but like Mm -hmm. in that moment where where she's telling the story i just really appreciated that everybody in the room that was kind of relevant to the situation was a woman it was Mm -hmm. i think it worked really well because she didn't have to explain like niska is not a woman of many words (laughs) but she didn't have to explain Mm -hmm. herself like yeah. that was just fact, and yeah. and the the lawyers, both the person who's trying to prove that she's not a person and the person who's trying to prove that she is, like understood it without any, without any um, hand wringing or whatever she says. Like I can't yeah. cry, I can't bleed or wring my hands, but my whole life was being scared. Like that was, that yeah. was really well done. It was really well done, and like um, I agree with that that she she doesn't go into overtly descriptive like mm-hmm. or, like um flowery descriptive yeah. things and they just um, believe her yeah and like i i thought like so i thought that um laura sets it up well where she's like well isn't it better if somebody who has these predilections mm-hmm. goes to you know a place like this where there's robots that don't feel anything and acts out these things with them, which you're like, okay, yeah, that kind of, yeah, yeah. over somebody getting hurt. But then, like, yeah. you see, like, Niska's point of view come through, and she's like, I said no. Yeah, that was I important. No. I like that that they did, like, that she said no, and that she refused, and he was going to force me to do it anyway. Because, yeah, it brought out, like, her individuality, mm-hmm. her, like, experience in the moment Mm -hmm. which is exactly what the whole point is like in terms of self-defense yeah it's like she said no yeah and at that point another like if that if that man had asked a like another person to do Mm -hmm. this that they would have been within their rights to say yes or no yes and the whole point is niska doesn't have rights Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it was such a perfect yeah. thing to bring and up. And these two, like, the fact that these two lawyers, like, immediately understand that. Like, immediately yeah. understand the situation that she must have been in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I can see Laura's wheels turning, being like, "Oh my god!" Like we have, if if she can be a person, we have a case. Yes, exactly. Um, um yeah. I was wondering with uh, Niha or whatever the the Indian woman. Uh-huh. Um. Uh. Is she? What? Which side is she on? Um. Is she trying to help? Laura, or is she on the side of this is all bullshit? I feel like she's well-intentioned, but also pessimistic. But I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Um, I think her hands are tied, and she wants it to be not true. And I think she went into it thinking it's not true. We're going to do this charade. Like, it's going to be an important precedent um, in case this happens again. And now because she entered it that way her hands are tied i don't know alicia what do you feel and i also like you can see her like when when laura has that breakthrough with niska and talking about why she killed that guy and like you can see her entire body language changing and i think until that point yeah like she she went into it with a very like oh whatever like this is for show um Mm -hmm. and and this isn't really going to be anything and then like when they actually keep questioning her because she does help them out later, right? Later in the season, she helps them out, and I, I can't remember. I don't yeah. think she dies, but, but I feel like I mean, next. Pardon. Sorry, I was gonna say next season, season three, she's definitely helpful. Yeah. And even in this, this one, she she like helped Laura, uh, set this up, you know. Um, but she also sounds very, um incredulous <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think she like believes what laura like you know and i don't think she's like oh consciousness is not a thing and, and whatever but like you see her over the over the trial like learn essentially mm-hmm. and like because yeah her her she's not the focus in that scene but like her like the way she walks up when this guy's talking about that guy you can tell oh no something's changing <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, but then she's stuck because it's the, this whole thing was for show anyway. Um, yeah. yeah, she's kind of like a um, reluctant believer mm-hmm. or something <laughs> that gets converted. Yeah. Um, cool. I like the line where uh, Laura says, we need to bring them in quickly into our moral universe. Yes. yes. And that kind of also goes with the Hegel stuff. <laughs> Like, we need to embed them into our society. Yeah. Well, because yeah. she sees the Civil War coming. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no yeah. way around it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, she's she's the, like we were saying in the other, the earlier episode, like the big picture mm-hmm. thinking. Laura's so good at that. Um, mm-hmm. And she's, mm-hmm. by the way, absolutely my number one favorite character. I know everybody has different favorite characters, but like Laura is my number one favorite because um, mm-hmm. I think she's a good audience insert as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and like also everyone's like always expecting like so much out of her. And I'm like, hey, man, <laughs> she is one. Person. Yeah. And she's so competent. Like, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. Anyway, I, I thought like the seeing the big picture thing, especially after having the experiences with Mia and everything before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's but yeah. but again, and on the flip side, Niska is also, I think, seeing the big picture here. Mm-hmm. yes and it, it's all, all of this is like it makes your heart warm when you remember laura in season one was like against getting mm-hmm. a sith in her household <laughs> and was like so rude to anita yeah thinking she was just a synth um so she's come a long way and she's yeah. 
I'm glad they have her on their side. (laughs) Well, so, I mean, this kind of leads into, I think we're talking about, like, the family next, because I feel bad for her because she's, like, on this one side, she's fighting for the sins, but on the Mm -hmm. other side, she's, like, worried about how to keep her daughter away from sins because, like, her daughter is copying them or whatever, like, you know, and, like, it's, there. there's a society where, like, her personal is almost, like, conflicting a little bit with her, Mm -hmm. with her like convictions here of like believing that that the consciousness at least deserve rights and everything yes. and at home she's like really trying to work out like how do i make my daughter not be around since all the time which is really tough yeah and mm. how to not idealize them and yeah all of that and also when her like husband is making those weird like barbs about like how niska needs her and like she should go help her and i'm like hey man <laughs> oh my god not, you know that's like sep- it's a separate issue <laughs> yeah he was kind of he was very supportive at first but then like that was weird coming from him because up to that point he was very supportive i think he's going through his own job stuff too but like yeah yeah i think that's exactly right that like it's everyone at their best can be like super supportive Mm -hmm. you know they like Mm -hmm. they're in a good spot they they want other people to feel good with them, but like the second someone is going through like a hard thing, it's like they just don't have the bandwidth mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be as generous with their emotions, I guess. Well, it's like Niska said, casually cruel to those near you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While crying over pictures of people you don't know. Yeah. No, it's so true. <laughs> uh, the yeah. It's it's fascinating that for her, like the abstract never really works and yet somehow the abstract is supposed to like what she says is right like somehow the abstract gets to our emotions and yet in practice that we're not it's not always there (laughs) yeah well i mean i can explain that for me personally and that like the real stuff is like too much (laughs) like Mm -hmm. so i just kind of like as someone with the emotional capacity of a teaspoon, I'm like, no. Um, oh, but, like, I'll Weasley. watch something, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is a puppy. It's the game of high five. What's that? You know? It's easier to process. Yeah, I actually... Yeah. yeah. Hmm? I actually feel Niska, because I have a similar reaction when there's, like, something on the news, you know, that gets like a lot of attention and coverage but it's actually not a unique event Mm -hmm. um like i don't know someone died in a weird way or someone was abused or they found you know parents that were you know kept their children in prison or whatever um and you know people were like wow this is terrible and my reaction is always like well I knew this was happening somewhere in the world. Like, it's not like I didn't know this was a thing. So just because it was brought to my attention doesn't mean I have to feel differently now. Like, I was always aware that murders happen and abuse happens. Well, that's the thing, right? Because it's like a stranger, it's easier to process. So then we feel it. But it's also easier to move Mm -hmm. on from because it's a stranger. (laughs) Yeah. We get to do it on our own. Like emotionally connect with it on our own time and mm-hmm. unconnected yeah I, that totally makes sense and like also Shaheen like you're completely right in the sense that like at this moment we know that there are people around the world even location wise where people are starving slash need water or medical attention mm-hmm. and we actively 
don't let ourselves dwell or look into that information because it would be too much to endure, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's always yeah. happening. It's There's always somebody starving. Um, yeah. But we tune it out. Yeah, we have, like, a filter yeah. that we can turn on and off. Like, it's it's very... Yeah. And it probably, de- I mean, it has to develop over over time because, you know, I'm sure that, that like thick skin or whatever that we end up developing, it, it takes mm-hmm. time. But like, yeah, it's it's very much like the abstract is easier to both take in and take out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was also going to say I like how and this i mean this is not specific to this episode but the the whole hawkins family um they kind of exemplify what's called the contact hypothesis Mm -hmm. which is the idea that um the way to get people to drop their prejudices or reduce their prejudices is through exposure Mm -hmm. and contact with the group that they're prejudiced against Mm -hmm. so um that like the most effective way to do it. like um you can tell them all you want about how they shouldn't have prejudice and whatnot but really until you've hung out with them mm-hmm. that's that's the thing that really gets you to to not be prejudiced and you can see how that's working out here because the hawking hawking's family they they got to hang out with sins for a while mm-hmm. and now it's so obvious to them that you shouldn't be prejudiced against them but no matter how much they explain it to other people, they don't get it until they hang out with them too, like Pete, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. Well, that's I think so- oh, sorry, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, it. it's kind of like how people in um, urban areas are more liberal. I think a lot of that is that like, so I'm in New York City, like we're literally living on top of each other. It's mm. very hard to turn a blind eye to people um, struggling and, you know, existing among people who look very different than I do or had a very different upbringing. Um, So I do think that it, you know, it's people who I I saw as like people like me is a much broader pool than it was originally when I was like this kid from um, a, a city in California that was predominantly like, white and super christian even though i'm like latina but i'm like white latina um so like i now in new york city I like i there's a lot more people that i relate to immediately that i don't think was the case when i was little um so yeah it is like it is experience and familiarity yeah. i was gonna say isn't it like so unfair or unfortunate for the people that have done nothing wrong but but the other people are saying oh they need contact like in the case of this show like it sucks to be the sins that you have to like go through all of this so that so that the humans can experience it with you and therefore right? become mm. less prejudiced towards you because it's like really not on this it's like the onus is never yeah. on the prejudiced <laughs> or like the mm. the prejudices <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, the prejudice against. <laughs> yeah, the onus is always on the people who have 
the issues or the prejudice to begin with, and yet it requires that contact to yeah. um to well, get past it, which is a really unfortunate fact of society. <laughs> the issue with the establishment, like mm-hmm. who build, who's like part of the establishment? A bunch of like old white men who <laughs> can't relate to a lot of people. Um, hey shout out to three people of color on this episode (laughs) (laughs) but still yeah it's like it's it sucks to see it that like that you need that those people would need that contact to then feel the plight my separate lining with that is that like it it means that there are a lot of people out there who would be very open to all these very quote-unquote different people from them they just need the experience experience, yeah um because i I think it's like we we polarize things a lot and like there's all these like bad people versus good people and like we immediately set up a stage for failure Mm -hmm. um when like ignorance is a real thing and it's always going to be a real thing but you know what i can handle ignorance you know i'm okay with ignorance outright hate no but like people who are ignorant like they can learn that's the whole point Mm -hmm. of like it's just ignorance um and i think that we sometimes exclude people who can be good people by automatically um writing them off for ignorance i that's like my like optimistic view (laughs) no i totally agree and i mean i if i may raise the point of humility I think, um, you know, we're not immune to this sort of thing either. I mean, I lived in the South um, for almost four years um, in one of the most conservative towns um, in the U.S. And I have a very different feeling about, um, you know, Southerners and conservatives than a lot of people who haven't been exposed to them. Like, I've seen their humanity and you know, I, and, and I've seen this, like, it's very difficult when I try to tell other people that, you know, they're not this like monster that you think, because it's the same thing. Like, so they've, they haven't been exposed to like people from other cultures, but we have also, we haven't been exposed to them. And so we have these, uh, images of them that like, that just aren't realistic. And it's also um, a problem of like generalizing, right? Like that the like, oh, what we know about a group of people, and that's like that's just what we ascribe to everyone. <laughs> and so yeah. versus like once you have experience, it's not only about experiencing or or having that exposure to a group of people. It's also just mm-hmm. like seeing people as individuals as opposed to groups of people. Exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. that. I think that's. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was saying that I think that's um, probably like the most important function of exposure is that, and it's actually pretty, happens pretty fast. Like it's very immediate. Like you meet one person from that group and you're like, wow, yeah, this is a full person. Like I, up to now, I just had like a, a cartoon in my head. (laughs) but now i see like it's an actual person they have complexity and they're you know they don't really fit into things easily um and that's that kind of does it you know but i will come like there there is a complication like what we were saying earlier and with with the show with the sense and the humans like when when power dynamics comes into play because like exposure but Mm -hmm. with an inherent power dynamic is still not 
real exposure, right? Like exposure when you talk about New York where you're like living around everybody and it's kind of just, you know, you're, you're just, that's part of your life. That's, that's different than like this, like what's here, which is like, they're, they're inherently kind of inferior in this this show. Right. Like, so I think, I think that's also a tricky layer that adds like that adds a complication to just exposure um, which is like kind of where I was going earlier with the whole like it, the onus shouldn't be on them, but because of the power dynamic, it it is kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I know, yeah, it's like I waffle between like optimism and pessimism on that, um, but <laughs> at the same time, like it, it's I, I completely agree that like it doesn't help ever to to generalize and like if you were just to sort of take like a snow globe and like shake it (laughs) and if we all just landed where where we did I think it would probably work out okay on the long term you know like yeah because what's the difference (laughs) yeah and that's probably what cities are like you say yeah yeah um Cool. What were we talking about? <laughs> we are talking about the family now. <laughs> um, so let's get into that. I, I like we saw a little bit more of um Rinnie, which I was like, what is his fascination? But we already talked about that. Um he, you know, his first sexual awakening was Mia. <laughs> but like I, I like that he's nice about it. It's not he's almost he He's drawn in from the synth aspect, but he sees like he's not taking he's, advantage he's, of her. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he's not exactly. taking advantage of her because when she's like, "Oh, like I don't take your instructions or whatever," he's like, "But I'm not giving you instructions." Yeah, and, and he definitely doesn't yeah. take advantage of her because mm-hmm. in a future episode we know that he could have, mm-hmm. and he says no, he doesn't. He wants her to choose for her, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he's still great. he's still into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, he is very much into it. <laughs> um, and so a lot of it, like, we have more talks about Sophie, like, what to do about Sophie. Um, and, like, I I don't know how you guys felt, but that scene with Odie where she's like, are you broken? And he's like, I think I am. And she's like, I think I'm broken, too. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. That was really sweet and also impressive t-shirt folding. Oh my god, right? I'm so glad you said that because I didn't write that down, but I folded too. Uh, especially the fact that he did it with like two, that they did it with like two people. Just pinching. Uh, but yeah, no, that was a beautiful, that was a beautiful scene because really neither of them is broken, you know? Yeah. Which is, yeah, anyway. <laughs> It was, it was, uh, I like the sob emoji because that's exactly representative. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, and, and so then the Pete in his job thing, um. Did you mean Joe? <laughs> what? Joe, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> um. But yeah, no, I get it. His job situation with, uh, the synths, like. What is that thing in term? Yeah, the sins like Skynet did his job. Oh wait, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> yes. They basically there's awake synths who have been able to like bypass stuff in their positions because you know humans are unsuspecting in this case and have a lot of control on the back end. And so like this was a an example of that control. So like I like that. Like okay, 
Joe is like a bit of a weenus, like I said. <laughs> he's not as much of a weenus as Ed, but he's still a weenus. <laughs> um, and so, despite that, um, he he's he tries to be a good guy. But we see we see that um, this is a very real thing that happened to him. Like it affected his life directly. And and it's not just his life. For him, he sees it as like being able to provide for his children. Um, in in it's the world that his children are going to grow up into. So he he has this very negative. Um, he he ends with like a very negative feeling towards synths. And so I like that they did this because it's like, of course he feels that way. Of course that's like his immediate reaction, and you understand it. And like so, it kind of like humanizes why some people are gonna be resistant to since having rights um because in this case it wasn't like an up and up thing that happened but it was something that that felt very some like something very real that could happen that would be very hard to um police yeah you know because they're in charge yeah. of so much yeah yeah so i don't know does, what you guys does think. this come up uh in the future like in future episodes a little or bit, is yes. This the last we're going to hear about this. No, I think that doesn't he move to a um, non synth town? Right, mm-hmm. but I was the thing with like his job, synths, though. Yeah, yeah, the synths like firing him. That I still don't quite understand what happened there. I I had a question about that too because I was like the non the conscious synths turn off their sharing so they don't communicate we notice that they don't communicate mm-hmm. with each other because they ask it like the the non-conscious ones keep asking them why don't you share mm-hmm. and so my question was like was there was were they developing something more sinister down the road which is that like because i was like could these be non-conscious sins that are just communicating by email and that have figured something out versus like why would conscious sins that are just becoming conscious very recently, why would this be their first move to employ more conscious sense to do busy work? You know, like I, I was I was a little bit confused too as to like what would be the end goal here. And so my question was like, was this something more sinister that is like they're developing like a computer network or something and mm-hmm. like with V as well already living off of, you know, off the off the physical plane uh-huh. <laughs> um that like that this was a seed of some future story that will not be realized but like that yeah mm. there was there was something more that they were setting up there than than i think co- recently conscious since suddenly um oh. agreeing not to hire humans because like they they specifically don't share with each other yeah well in this case though it was like a a work email thread mm-hmm. Um, so the way that I saw it was, um, it's kind of like, so in the U.S. we have this president right now. And so one of the things he's been most active in is um, hiring lifetime judges around the country or appointing okay. lifetime judges. Um, so I see, um, not to compare the lunatic's action to these synths who we're trying to empathize with, um, the, so... The synths are kind of trying to put people in places that could potentially protect their fellow conscious synths. So, you know, in a position of employment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, Joe oversaw whatever factory he was at. So kind of things like that, I feel. It was more about, like, 
positioning um, allies. Yeah, but then by that time he was a floor worker because he'd been demoted. Well, yeah, but it didn't. He's fine as a floor worker. Mm-hmm. They they were just trying to put someone in his position, which oversaw like get things. them get that get that person a job. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like, because how much time passed between like people the sins starting to become conscious? Like that. That's the. That's um, the other question because like this this would this is a storyline that would make sense when all sins have consciousness. Yeah. And then they're still willing to um periodically share with each other and like periodically email and whatever you know, like kind of yeah. form form gangs <laughs> or a community <laughs> or something like that. Um but this this seemed like like it was he tried to the boss tried to pass it off as a glitch, but it seemed like this like online communication scary skynet thing that was like a whole other problem that's why i called it that because i was like that is terrifying that like it is terrifying they just sort of sent a couple of emails and he like a bunch of people got fired um well but if you think of so synths can't control (gasps) i just thought what they're doing sorry keep keep going I'll, i'll i'll formulate the thought Oh, hey. Oh, sorry. Did I interrupt? I'm so no, sorry. no, no. I just realized something of, like, why he probably got fired. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, um, th- oh, yeah. You no, know, go for it. No, I think it might have been retaliation against Laura <laughs> because they sent a synth home, Yeah, too. I was wondering that. Oh. But that... Was it before? Okay, maybe it was, like, yeah. It could have been. But they didn't, they didn't, like, warn him off the way they did in the no. house. No, they didn't. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. That is just a possibility. <laughs> oh, so so I what I was gonna say is like it could just be one awakened synth mm-hmm. because the thing is like what gives them protection with these other synths is that they're not conscious, right? They follow their directives. You know, somebody gives them an order, they take it in and whatever. Um, but if there was one conscious synth at a high level, they could turn around and rewrite the directions for all the other synths. Like, don't copy this, don't copy a human, just approve it, you know? And so it could just be like, I guess that's the way that I kind of like made it work in my head. Or like they're untraceable, like they're pinging off of many thin cell phone towers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That makes sense too. I I feel like, and if it had been a synth that was like in an an office environment or whatever, like that knew, like Mm -hmm. that had been exposed to this procedure somehow Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah because like i don't remember like the reason i thought it could have been retaliation is because i thought he was the only one to get fired but if like a bunch of them got fired then yeah that's like i think very likely as well Mm -hmm. i don't know but that yeah that whole thing was really terrifying that like just because computers like control our entire life there's like a there's a thing that happens um have you guys read or watched the handmaid's tale um only the beginning of it because I know it gets like super dark. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. I think it's too much. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I read it far too young. I was still in like I think I was in middle school because my brother, my older brother, had it assigned in high school, mm. and he brought it home and I read it and I was far too young. It was very traumatizing. But anyway, oh. one of the very creepy things that happens when they're transforming into this totalitarian. Um, and society is they uh cut off the the they cut off women's bank accounts mm-hmm. like their like their computer or whatever bank accounts and they start yeah. control like and you know i mean it, it's hap- like the things that happen here about like controlling information and like 
um, access to information and who sees what and whatever. Like, there's a very scary, real aspect. I th- and I maybe I put it later in the later in the notes, but like it, it br- I could bring it up right now. It's like the thing I like about sci-fi shows like this, um, and like British British sci- like shows do it really well. I think because like the the UK ver- uh, seasons of Black Mirror were also very good at that. Is they just mm-hmm. like they pull an existing thread. And yeah. and that and they just like make it sci-fi just by pulling like one thread, and like so it it seems very possible, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, yes, we're talking about synthetic robots that gain consciousness, and that's a far. But like, if you mm-hmm. look at the like cr- the opening sequence of the show, it's like you can see how it gets there because it's just like that one thread of like people are already studying this. Mm-hmm. And so I I don't know it just it was very creepy like that for some reason that like that whole idea of him being fired just sort of like through a computer <laughs> was very terrifying because that's like a real thing that hap- that can happen. Yes, exactly. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> um get your information from a variety of sources people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. Um any other thoughts for this? Um, I thought the the part where Odie says, um, I remember he says he remembers um George dying, um, and then he says I remember feeling nothing, and then there's also that scene where Hester is remembering stuff yeah. from when she used to be, um, a minor or whatever work, factory worker um and i thought that was very interesting and sort of paradoxical because if they can remember things from that time doesn't that mean that they had qualia at the time mm. how can you remember things that you never experienced does a usb if- drive have qualia right but it still has memory yeah right but it doesn't remember them as things <laughs> well, but if they still have the data like, yeah but they're remembering like things they saw and you know like if a, like supposedly before they quote wake up mm-hmm. there's just completely dark in there right like there there's nothing happening it's just blank um well, like when they well, open why? their eyes they no. i don't yeah they see nothing because what else does it mean to say that they don't feel? Well, they don't process and the information in the same way. They just they just process the information raw, like a computer. Yeah. Versus like when they when they become conscious, they get like that second voice, like you know, the first intakes the information, the second is like, "Well, that's weird." <laughs> You know? Yeah, like they start building pathways for those experiences, right? Like because I think when he what he when he says I remember feeling nothing because I wrote that too. I was like, it, it the reason you would be overwhelmed is because all of this information that you have leading up to your life till now, that's all that's the information that you have. But when you come awake, you can suddenly process all of it and everything mm-hmm. moving forward. Which is why I would need to lie down because it's like, oh, like he has he has video of George dying and now it means something because now he can make a connection to that and and pain and family and all of that stuff and all the things that George did to keep Odie safe and like he he can actually process all of that information and put it 
together mm-hmm. and synthesize it, I guess. But he, but as a, as, when he wasn't conscious, he was just remembering facts. Odie died, mm-hmm. or George died. <laughs> right. So again, that's that's a good point because like he did have memory, mm-hmm. but the I we were told that they weren't awake, that they couldn't feel anything. Um, and so if they couldn't feel anything, that means, um, they had no conscious states. They had no experience of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, they just process data as data, not as experiences. Um, and so I don't know how you could then remember that. Like when you were a child and there were things that were encoded in your brain as a, you know, when you were, you know, like a one-year-old or whatever, um, that are clearly affecting your behavior, right? You, um, it, it shaped your personality and everything, but you can't remember it in the way that you remember things that you experience later in life because they haven't been encoded as conscious experiences. So I take it that's what's supposed to be happening. Like, what else does it mean to say that they woke up? Like, I take it what it means to say they woke up is now suddenly they have, uh, like, the light goes on in their mind and now they can see things and and hear things and feel things, right? Like, we see how, like, they start looking at their hands and and their environment as though they're surprised, as though they're seeing it for the first time. it's awareness. Yeah. It's it's awareness on a different level. seeing it for the first time in that sense. Like, they're processing it that way for the first time but it's kind of like um well example let me give an example so when i was little um my godfather um had a really close friend um ernie who he lived with on his very large ranch and every time we'd go there you know i'd go to their cabin because they had like a main cabin and there was like other little cabins but i go to their main cabin and i'd just be like where does ernie sleep and um or yeah anyways um and so when i grew up one day i was like oh my god they're gay <laughs> and it was like <laughs> it was an it was something i could only understand as an adult because i had the understanding to put it together but as a kid right. it was like raw information of there's two adult males who have a cabin they're best friends and they live together and I don't know where one of them sleeps. That must be weird. Like, so I don't have like the ability to understand that right. they were, were in love and together. So, um, so I see like, since they took in this information in like a very raw, like, yes, this and this, they don't question it. They don't make observations. They just take it in, you know, and, and it still exists. They still have this store of information, but now they're able to go back to be like, well, January 1st, 20, 2001, you know, I was there and that was a homeless person, meaning they didn't have a place to go home. They they just stood there all night. That's weird. Like, why isn't somebody hmm. doing something? Yeah. Oh, it's like Odie defining where you said home, like Odie defining like, oh, this is just where I belonged. And then mm-hmm. uh, Maddie going, that's that's called a home. And like Odie putting that together, like, oh, so that's mm-hmm. important. Or like yes. realize or processing George's death, not as like a stranger's death, but as somebody that he cares about. 
yeah. um, all of a sudden because he re- he realizes that like he has all of this information and memories about George and he did so much for him and everything. And so it's like, oh, now I, I care about this person and this was my home. Not just the like he the way he's even struggling to define what that meant to him, like because he's mm-hmm. he's very new at uh, at uh, consciousness. And so, like, I think that's what like, yeah, they just have facts, but it's not like. It's not like they really, yeah, I guess process, though. That's the best way to say it. Like, they they just, they they are detached from all of it. And becoming awake is suddenly not being detached from all of that information. So what you guys are describing is um, reinterpreting Mm -hmm. an experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you had an experience of the cabin and everything. Um, and you then, when you grew up later, you reinterpreted it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's different from saying they had no conscious state and then they acquired conscious states, um, which is what they're telling us happens here. I mean, I wouldn't define what they were going through before consciousness as experiencing, right? Yeah. Like, I would just say that recording. Yeah, exactly. Recording. Because it's not like they have any say in what they're doing either when they're not mm-hmm. conscious. They just get directives. And Well, that's a separate thing. That's agency, right? So that we I always say that when they become conscious, two things happen at the same time. They acquire agency and they acquire qualia. Um, and those are two separate things, but they happen at the same time for some reason. Um, but... So, but then the only way I understand acquiring qualia for the first time is that before that they had no qualia. It was just completely dark in there. It, they're still, of course, they're processing the information, but there's nothing happening in their mind. There's no experience. There's no quality of experience. Sort of, I mean, this is called the philosophical zombie is the idea that y- you can imagine someone who's indistinguishable from a conscious person but actually has no conscious states um they're not really experiencing anything that's going on but they're indistinguishable because they process the data in a similar way and and respond and i i assume that the um unconscious synths are like philosophical zombies um and if so if it was completely dark in there so to speak, if there is no, uh, no like subjective experience, then they shouldn't be able to remember it. This sort of like when you you're drunk and you have like blackout, like you're conscious in a way, like you're still moving around, but you're not recording any of it, and later like you don't remember any of it. Except if you took photos, um, and then you would. But mm-hmm. in a in a detached way, because you don't have memory of it, but you see the photo. And then you see in the photo that, oh, look, I look like I'm having fun. But you don't, you're not Right, but you don't remember it. yourself. Exactly. you don't remember that. it. That, I think that's what's going on. Like, they have a recording. They have mm-hmm. stored this information, as you would with a photograph. But, like, they're, so, the, so they're seeing that and putting that, like, oh, now I have this greater understanding of what, what these everything means or like i understand what was going on in that moment and so i'm seeing this recording in a new way it's not their memory it's like it's not their memory in in the way you're describing but it's their memory in the way that they have a stored 
stored piece of information like a photo or a video that's that's like because yeah i agree that like with the philosophical zombie concept like i that's like yeah that makes sense like they're not they're not experiencing anything before but they are storing all that information right like that's for for access in the future uh-huh. And it's not like they're going to also right. get to, like, drive a car or something like that, too. Like, they also have, like, they can also still function the mm-hmm. same. And they and they have, yeah, like, they mean... have different personalities, which also must, like, because that's the other thing. Like, how would they gain their personalities if they didn't have stores of different information that they, that they, like, Niska's, I mean, oh, Niska's not the right example because she was conscious always, but, like, Somebody like Hester, maybe, who experiences, like, being powerless or... Oh my gosh, that noise again. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they're going home now. (laughs) Okay. Same person coming back. I know, right? (laughs) Just the way, yeah. Anyway, um... Sorry, that completely distracted me. But, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's, like, information versus experience. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, I wonder if uh, when they if they had that information, they're now retrieving it. Would that then manifest itself as like like a memory, like a visual thing? Like it seems like right. So like Hester remembers the the factory, and it, it's like um, she has visual memory of it, but like at the time she didn't. She didn't have to have any visual. Like she, we were told she had no visual experience. So, I wonder when when you retrieve it, kind of like I was saying with your childhood experiences, you are retrieving it, but not as visualizable memories because it wasn't recorded that way, you know. And it's just you can see it affect your behavior and everything, and like all of you know our personality and everything is formed by those early experiences in part. Um, when you're like one, two years old, but because it was recorded like in a non-cognitive, non-cognitive part of your brain, it's, um, you can't like turn it into a cognitive thing later. Um, anyway, so yeah, that was, um, yeah, but yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. But what you, yeah, what you said kind of, um, does make sense. Like it, it goes some somewhat towards answering that question. Oh, sorry, I just heard. Bonsai. I heard bonsai. Oh my god! I've given him all the snacks, and he's just like still. He made a very cute noise. <laughs> he knows he's cute. Hold on, I'm gonna give him something, and then I'll keep talking. <laughs> so, um, let's go to the next section. Um, so Dr. Morrow and V, um, so it, this is mostly like Milo and her dinner, I think has like the, the bulk of the information. Yeah. Um, can I just say like these two, why don't it just get a room already? <laughs> like, <laughs> you think so? <laughs> you think they had like sexual tension? Uh, yeah, that's how it seems to me. Like there's... Yeah, there's some kind of tension. <laughs> well, if he wasn't such a dickwad, maybe. Yeah. But like he's like, I guess the way that I. But she seems like she's into it. Like no, I thought you were gonna say that 
she's she also is. a dickwad. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is, but like, she's also like, she keeps going back to him, and like, she's always smiley and happy when he's around. No, and, but like, like she, they have banter going on. He controls her research. She has to put on a show. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she can. And also, he also kind of comes across as a bit like childish. Uh, he's the a si- lot childish. Yeah, exactly. He's like the shit casserole made from the ingredients of Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Like he literally <laughs> says, "Oh, a wild invasion of your privacy." How do you think I made my money? <laughs> yeah, that that was that was very gross. Like especially in today, like the day and age of today, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not also that this he, is that old, but yeah. He ordered for her, and it was fish. And if that had been me, as someone who does not like fish, I would have thrown the biggest tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's not okay. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> he was like trying to do these like power moves with the like expensive wine and the food order that mm-hmm. are straight from a twelve-year-old's mind. Like, yeah, <laughs> or not even like you know, not even a twelve-year-old. They're more innocent than that, I would hope. But like from like. From somebody who just like doesn't like who 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 watches what power moves are on TV. <laughs> he watched a TED talk. Yeah, exactly. This is what happened. <laughs> it's but- like you can show power by like what arriving early. He arrives first, right? Yes. And then oh yes. yeah, because he orders, and then like ordering, which is like the biggest no no. <laughs> then and then let them know how expensive the wine was. Yeah, it was so. And I love that she's like it's adequate. <laughs> <laughs> and later being like, I yeah, I don't really know that much about wine, <laughs> so I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, his his whole like archetype was it was a little too on the nose with reality, and uh, yeah, that was like that was when I was gonna bring up the like whole they're good at pulling like threads of of reality that exist and just like yes, magnifying them to make them sci fi or whatever. But like like that's a person that exists. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So. Bonsai, stop it. So, I guess our last section is just um, Leo and Max and the Resistance. Um, so, we, we see things change. Um, a rift has formed. Um, do you guys have thoughts on any of that in terms of, like, the, I guess, the face-off with Hester and Hester, Hester Eve's to her Adam away from the Garden of Eden with Max, basically. <laughs> I was picturing them just because the way they're like, the scene is like the angel and the demon on their on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Um, except the angel loses patience when he's like, who are you even fighting for? Which is a very true, very true, yeah. like, like, um, what's his face? Leo definitely has a bit of a savior complex from everything that he's gone through, but he's also yeah. the one that's like not human and not since, so he doesn't also know where to where to be, where to belong. So yeah, yeah. I um, I mean, is Hester a demon, <laughs> um, <laughs> or is she just a consequentialist? So that that conversation that they have where. Um, Max is like, how would you have liked it if if we left you out there in order to like trace the the people, uh, the bad guys? And she says maybe that would have been the right thing to do. Um, she is always focused on the consequences. She thinks that 
if the same when she tortured that guy right um they had a conversation with max and she was like well you're saying that getting the information was good but torturing him was not um and so she she's always puzzled when someone says that the consequences of your actions were good but your action itself was bad um she thinks those two things should coincide whereas max is focused on whether um not using people as mere means right mm-hmm. which is what we call deontology so he's a deontologist he thinks that you shouldn't use people as means to your ends regardless of the consequences whereas she thinks it's the consequences that matter so yeah uh, and consequentialism can seem kind of uh brutal <laughs> um you know and I mean, if you're like a hardcore, like an extreme case of it, then you'd be able to justify all sorts of things, you know? Um, yeah, but yeah. That's yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I empathize with what Hester is trying to say. I, t- I think it makes sense. Um, I, my, like, the part that I have a hard time with is that I don't think that they're there yet where that's the only thing that they can do. I think that, like, in this day and age where artificial intelligence really exists, like, why can't they track the car, you know? Or better yet, if Hester's so, like, into this, like, she can be the bait. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, like, different options here. So I'm kind of with Max in the sense that, like, this synth that just woke up maybe isn't even the best bait why not have somebody who can fight from the inside be the bait i completely agree i thought like that was the thing where i thought hester played her hand a little bit especially with with max and his opinion of her when she didn't when when it wasn't her that was like oh i should go because i'm the best person for this job or whatever like or because basically like she she kind of says everything as if like that's the most logical thing to do but like at mm-hmm. the same time she she's like proven to like she withholds information and she lies and she's like manipulative in that sense so like she's not entirely and she's not selfless either i think yes. and and i mean neither is max or leo or anybody in that situation of course because they're conscious and they're people but like mm-hmm. the she like she in that moment is also concerned about getting Leo on her side and has been for a while. And you can see her anger or whatever earlier in the episode when Mia tells Leo to listen to Max, like you can see her face being like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And so like, she's been waiting to say that we would make a better team without you, Max. But like, so, so I think she, she plays her, her hand here, like, and, and actually the fact that she doesn't, volunteer to go or she's just like that rando can can get kidnapped and i'm fine Mm -hmm. with it um is it like shows that she's maybe not the i mean her intentions are probably the same as everybody else's but it's you know we we can't say that she she's like Mm -hmm. this is the only way to do it or this is the best way to do it because she's saying it like it's the best way to do it but i it's not because they also only have three people in their gang so maybe it would help more if they had like 20 people and then and then like because what are they gonna what actionable thing can they do discovering now that it's like this huge company and there's three of them so Mm -hmm. um and then i also really liked when 
um liked or it made me mad at leo i don't know but like when um when max said it's not right and leo says it's not easy there's a difference and it just Mm -hmm. they just leave it there and i was like no no it's not right (laughs) (laughs) it's not that it's easy there's a difference like it's just not right like what you know like it's it's very it's very interesting how quickly leo is just willing to be like well nah (laughs) we should let that let that newly aware synth that's going to be completely useless to us other than just leading us to this building 20 minutes away like it's just it was not the the best plan on any level but hester was very good at convincing leo that it was the best plan which kind of is what makes her dangerous um yeah but yeah so is the problem with hester that is it that she's a consequentialist or that she's a bad consequentialist because bad consequence bad consequence yeah i think she just thinks she's right but it's not necessarily like, or and like she, of course, she definitely believes the end justifies the means. But like, the her means are not necessarily planned out either. <laughs> yeah. So you like, don't have a problem with the fact that because Max had a problem with the fact that they were using someone. Um, it I sounds think like a you're more saying knowledgeable person. If like one of them had swapped out, like knowingly that they were getting themselves into that, like that would have made sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. But what if we imagine a situation where that couldn't happen and you had to use someone uh, for this purpose um, without their consent, without telling them, um, but it, it, what if it was the best plan? If there was a time constraint and this was like literally one of the only mm-hmm. options, sure. But it's sure. not, right. But like it's I, not. Yeah. There, there, none of those parameters are in play right now. So it just seems foolish and short-sighted. And mm-hmm. on, like, the other thing, like, yeah, I'm, like, definitely on Max's side on the on this front. It, but also, like, I feel like when um, when Team Moms, a.k.a. Mia and Niska, aren't allowed <laughs> or aren't around and they mm-hmm. make these kind of decisions, I'm just, like, already judging them because... <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, I, I feel like they, the, like, the like if I try to think about whether even Niska would make this kind of a decision. Like, Niska would most likely murder everybody in the car and find out its address. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's Google address or whatever, like, where it's going. But, but um. Ask but questions she, later. But, yeah. But, like, I, I kind of think about when they introduced us to the sins, like, Mia was in charge. Niska was really the muscle as well. Like. Mm-hmm. Would the would either of those two have done this plan? I don't think so. And that yeah. that's what kind of tells me that it was probably the wrong plan. Yeah. I really wonder who Hester would have become had Niska been there from the beginning mm-hmm. with her. Because if mm-hmm. anyone could have gotten to her, I think it Niska Niska, would have. Yeah. At the same time, oh my gosh, it's so satisfying at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Hester just like spoiler alert keeps getting worse yes (laughs) she goes down a path yeah yeah. and the team muscle is busy aka Niska has been busy all season yeah (laughs) until near the end so like it's it's um yeah this is like I this almost feels like the start of Hester's like path it and it is like episode three and four of of ten so yeah um yeah it's uh she she's very short-sighted I think her her I end agree. quote unquote ends are very like what what's gonna happen tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, she's impatient and short sighted. Cool. 
Anything else? I think if that's it, so we wrap up for season four. Um, so for these two episodes, do either of you have any other thoughts or well actuallys? Um, I had one. Uh huh. So <laughs> you were saying like the tracking. Why don't they track the car? They should have like the technology. Mm-hmm. They still have freaking electric meters in the freaking closet. What is that about? <laughs> like they have, they created, <laughs> they created conscious sense, and there's still someone has to come in and read the thing. <laughs> that Architecture <hilarious>. in Europe <laughs> is very old, protected and protected. You yeah. can't do. Um, my friend lives in a neighborhood where you can't get like they they couldn't redo like the wiring the wiring or whatever outside so they can't get like the fancy internet. <laughs> huh. So she has like very slow internet because that that part can't be like dug up or whatever around that building. <laughs> so yeah. like, in a way I can understand, but I also thought that was really funny that he that like this robot has to come inside their house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a hotel in San Diego, this, like, famous hotel in La Jolla, and they don't have air conditioning in their main, like, wor- like room area. Lobby? Because of house regulations for um, historical landmarks. Mm. Whoa. Okay. So who knows? <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, oh, I did say I would like a spinoff where V avenges her mom and destroys Milo from within his servers because he was such a little dick that I was just like, oh, well, if he were to steal V, I would want, I would want him to like, or her to like do something. Oh my God, she should like Robin Hood give away all his money from inside the servers. How amazing would that be? (laughs) Or like file patents for all of his patents on like a common distribution thing. (laughs) (laughs) Something really, yeah. Yeah, I see it. Um, Cool. So for the wrap up, are there any TV shows, movies, books, games, any kind of media you guys would recommend um, that you've encountered recently? I'm going to recommend um, the show called Emergence. Oh, what's um, that on? I think it's on ABC. Uh-huh. Um, but it's really good. It's um, um, so it's very apropos because it's um, robots, <laughs> uh, <laughs> cute, conscious robots. <laughs> and um, yeah, and you don't know what's going on until a few episodes later um and yeah it's pretty good it's uh, mysterious and um so far it seems like good sci-fi to me um mm-hmm. yeah so that's what i recommend cool nice that sounds yeah. good i'm recommending sci-fi ish as well so i recently watched undone on amazon um prime and it's an a- kind it's an animated series i think they called it like rotoscope or something so like the mm-hmm. actors acted it out but then they put animation on top of it but it's very good. It's also um, this, like, main character, she almost dies in a car accident. She has, like, a lot of trauma from that. But when she wakes up, she essentially can manipulate time. And mm-hmm. it's not really, like, time travel, per se. But she she has um, a 
different kind of relationship with time um moving forward Mm -hmm. and it's like it's a very i will say it's like a very difficult watch like episode to episode there's just a like it can be a lot um and so you know maybe pace it out if if that if that can get to you but um but it's a it's a really really good show and I, i really enjoyed it and it kind of it poses like the best things do it poses this kind of question at the end of the season that like really makes you think about the whole season and like what you think and and it might be different from like from person to person like what you think happened I guess so it's it's a great ending as well but yeah really really good show so for my recommendation um it was on my list last time but I don't, I don't think I said it but I'm not really sure because I was very drunk by the end don't drink <laughs> wine during a podcast it's just not it's never good um so Marianne is a Netflix um, series. It was originally shot in French, but I'm lazy. So I, I just watched it with English dubbed because I want to be able to like look at other things while I watch something. <laughs> um, but this show, actually, I probably could have watched it dubbed or not dubbed, subbed because um, you can't really look away. And it is so scary. It is a horror series. Uh-oh. And and it's like, it's about this girl who is a novelist, a very successful novelist. And um, she writes about these very scary things. And someone from her hometown, like a childhood friend comes to her and is like, you have to come back. It's everything you're writing is real. And you have to come face it. And anyways, I I won't spoil anything beyond that, um, apart from she does go back. But it's like, it's bananas scary. And there's so many times where I was like, um, I like I screamed in my room by myself. Um, and so if you like horror, I would completely recommend it. The one question mark is that like Marianne, uh, or not Marianne, um, uh, the main character whose name I cannot remember now, um, seems very queer, and I was totally shipping her with her female assistant, writing assistant. Um, and I don't know if they'll ever go there, but they made it out that she's like straight and I'm very confused by that. (laughs) So if you're watching it and you're expecting her to get with her female writing assistant, I, I, let's wait for season two, but don't hold your breath. And that part was confusing. (laughs) Also got renewed? It's like going to come back? I don't know. Um, I hope it, I hope it's coming back. I think it did well. I mean, for like a horror show, usually Mm -hmm. those don't do so well. Um, but it was really good. Um, yeah, so I think that's everything. Um, so next episode, we'll continue our coverage of Human Season 2, and we'll do episodes 5 through 6. Um, again, reminder to tweet us with any questions and comments at May we, wait, at May we Geek Again on Twitter. Um, so yeah, May We Geek Again. Bye! Take it easy, guys. Bye!